Metallica. Here they come, the kings of metal. Hey everyone, this is Tom Quee here from Alpha Metallica, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to the Melody Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. Are you? Do you? Yes, I do. Okay. This is episode 98, and this is one that almost didn't happen. We have been talking to this person for a while. Um, I ran into him around town. He wants to do the podcast. His schedule's crazy. And then all of a sudden, literally the day before we recorded this, he texts me. He's like, I can do tomorrow night. Let's do it. I'm available. So we got Jay Weinberg from Slipknot, from Against Me, all sorts of bands, Madball. He's played for the E Street Band. Have you heard of him? Have you? Do you? You know where they're from? Um, where Jay's from? Sesame Street? The actual- New Jersey, New, New Jersey, Jersey, New Jersey. Yep, New Jersey, which, no, is, which is in New Jersey. It was super fun. Jay came to HQ1, and uh, I just met him tonight, and- uh, couldn't ask for a sweeter dude, a a more thoughtful dude, very thoughtful about music, about yeah. his career. We, of course, as you can imagine, talk a lot about Slipknot. We talk a lot about his love of Metallica. His upbringing and, and learning learning instruments and with his, his being around his dad and that influence on him musically. For those of you who may not know, of course, Jay Weinberg is Max Weinberg's son. Max Weinberg is the drummer for the E Street Band with Bruce Springsteen, and Ethan and I are big Springsteen fans, oh, yeah. so it was a treat to talk about that. Max Weinberg was also the, uh, he's the band leader for the Max Weinberg 7 of the, yeah, the Conan, Conan O'Brien, O'Brien, the late night with Conan O'Brien, which I grew up watching. And Yeah, I mean, and Max was a part of that band uh, from the, the get-go up until the, the Tonight Show, and then when the Tonight Show ended and went back to Jay Leno, then, then Max was out. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, it went on to be uh, Jimmy Vivino and the Basic Cable Band when they went to TBS. Right, TBS. Right. But I mean, yeah, Max was there for God years and years and years. I mean, there's so much cool stuff involved with Jay, and you know, this is a long episode, as you can tell. We we got into a lot of stuff. Yeah, Jay was uh, very generous with his time, very generous with information. I learned a lot from him, and uh, we're going to get into all that. But first, we're going to do some of the housekeeping. Yeah, we got to do the housekeeping. The use. The use. The use. The use. Now, we have this thing called uh, Patreon. You're going to hear a commercial about it later. It's a really cool way to support the show. One of the things we did with Jay Weinberg, and anytime we have a guest on, whether it's Jim Brewer or Jim Florentine. Any Jim. Anyone named Jim. Yeah. Anybody whose name starts with a J. With a J. They're in. Yeah. Uh, is we put it out to the patrons. We let the patrons ask them questions, and we were able to field out a lot of questions to Jay yeah. uh, at the end of the show. That's one of the perks you get. We got Cover All Black in Volume 2. Uh, I think maybe... We could even, at the end of this episode, play a little teaser of your version of Memory Remains. Yeah. So I posted a teaser clip on Instagram. Um, I did this kind of creepy but heavy reggae version of Memory Remains, and I'm really excited about it. I don't often get... I mean, I, I love the covers I did in the first volume as well as yours, but this one, like 
a few nights ago I was finishing it and I was like, I love what I did with this. Like, if I can toot my own horn, I kicked ass on this song. Well, but yeah, let's we'll, we'll 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 play a clip of it at the end. Yeah, maybe, I mean, not the, maybe not the whole thing, but just like a version of the, course. And here, and here are the songs we're doing for volume two. Uh, I'm doing Motor Breath, Where the Wild Things Are, Whiskey in a Jar, and Mama Said. Ethan's doing Memory Remains, uh, The Day That Never Comes, um, No Leaf Clover, No Leaf Clover, and I'm I'm going to try to hack out a cover too since you did uh, Whiskey in the Jar. Yeah, yeah. So this this will be an eight song EP. So the only way you can get it is to become a patron. So That's right. you're going to hear about how to do that later. At the very minimum, we uh, give shout outs to our new patrons. We got two, uh, three this week. Got three, yeah. Colton Brazier, uh, Joey. Ursic, 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 probably Ursic, uh, and Mike Bowling. So thanks, guys, for yeah, getting on the ride so at that much. level. If you can't get on the Patreon train, a really easy way to support the show is to go to iTunes, leave us a positive review. It goes a long way. You could tell your Metalla buddies about the show. Maybe you have a podcast or a blog of your own. Uh, you can talk about the show there. We accept any support that you have to give. Yeah, emotional, spiritual. Yeah, phys- Sex- sexual. Physical. Right. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, we're now accepting sexual oh, yeah. support of the oh, yeah, show. <laughs> uh, we're on the socials. You know this. Go to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I was going to say, you could start Instagram Live right now while we just do this intro. I should, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Where's my phone? It's right there. Yeah, we're on all the socials. Um, we're on Twitter and Facebook, and somehow we're on Spotify. I don't know how that happened, but people find us on Spotify all the time. It just automatically happened. <laughs> we certainly didn't go over there. Uh, we are videoing the episodes now. I want to wave to the people at home. Hello. Wave to the people at home. Checking connection. Oh, oh my I'm goodness. Live. I'm now live. Uh we're doing the videos a lot. Uh, we're videoing them now. You can see them a week early over at the Patreon, but they're gonna, all going to be on YouTube. I can't imagine watching my favorite podcast on YouTube, but somehow people do it. People that's do fine. it. That's fine. That's great. So that's it for the socials. We've got a website, metalupyourpodcast.com. There's all sorts of shit over there. Yep. Can you talk about the party for just briefly a little bit? I can talk about the party for a little bit. Um, so January 24th, Metallica's playing Nashville, Tennessee. And on January 23rd, we are hosting our one year or sorry, two year anniversary party slash pre Metallica show party at the Cobra where we had our uh, one year anniversary party. Take the phone, Clint. We're doing Instagram live. Um, it's going to be a good time. We're going to do all sorts of fun things. Um, we are going to uh, we're going to have you know Metallica music playing all night. We're going to um, what are you setting my phone on right now? Wow. Um, we're going to have uh, probably some Metallica karaoke, and I think we might have a little uh, little surprise set of covers by uh, yours truly and Clint truly. Yours truly and yours truly. That's right. It's going to be fun. Now it's going to be a good time. It's going and and like we said, we're going to talk about this a lot just so you guys can you know get the get the drill here. It is a ways away still. It's a couple months away, but you if you're coming to Nashville, you need to book a hotel, book your Airbnb. Um, take a Lyft or Uber to the party because it's going to get probably get pretty wild. Um, I think we're going to have that place pretty jam-packed. Uh, we've gotten a shitload of feedback from you guys who are coming to Nashville. People people are literally coming from all over the world yes, to go to that party. It is, all, it is already becoming... I think we've already heard, heard from enough people where it's probably... I think at the slowest point of the night, it'll be at the peak of our last party. So it's going to be crazy. 
treat the Cobra bartenders well when you're there, but we're going to have a good time. And uh, Clint and I will sit down at some point in the near future and, 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 and specifically plan out the whole night of this thing. And we'll give you more details in the future. But all you need to know is you need to be there on January 23rd. Um, well, let's go ahead and say I'll start at 7 p.m. And uh, just get there. It's going to be so fun. It's uh, the official, we're calling it the official Metallica pre-party slash Melody Podcast two-year anniversary party. I am trying to convince Ethan. I've told him that what I want to do is I want the lights to go down, and I want us to be wearing robes, a la cunning stunts, Yeah, and I want us to enter the bar to the ecstasy of gold. We have there, There's some, something will happen. <laughs> something will happen. <laughs> uh, we like to take the pulse of the Metal Up Your Podcast family every week. You can send us an email, show at gmail.com. We're going to do that right now at what I like to call the email corner. All right, our first email is from Louis Lima. Hello, boys. I think he means, hello, boys. Louis Lima here. Oh, my fucking God, Metallica does know you. Well, Lars and Kirk already. Hope you, uh, you, you interview at least one of them in the Nashville gig. Uh, one a boy can dream. Um, what an amazing episode, and thanks to the almighty Chris Yurgis, who shared his experience with Metallica. Uh, keep, ro- uh, keep rocking the world, brothers. It is quite a surreal thing to know that the boys know of the podcast. They're yeah. aware of it. They've heard about it, and uh, everyone's talking about it. It's gonna have be you seen? Huge. Have you seen the polls? Yes, have I you, have seen the polls. Yeah, everyone, go vote. By the way, yeah, go vote. For God's sakes, you can vote now, early. Voting early is really important. If you don't Just get it out of the way, if you don't e- vote, you don't have a you don't have to me you should, you shouldn't have be able to talk about your thoughts on on anything political. Just fucking participate in this. I think this should have happened. Blah, blah, blah. Did you vote? No. Well, shut up. Go vote. Rock we'll, the vote. We'll end that by saying rock the vote. Ryan Enderlead writes, "Hey guys, I was wondering if you were listening to the remastered version of Countdown to Extinction." Or the original. I have the remastered version. There were a few parts I noticed when listening to the podcast that don't sound the same. It was the original. Mine was. Well, I, it, it was, yeah, it was MP3s that you sent me. Yeah, the MP, MP3s that I, I have for Countdown to Extinction are what I imported from my original Countdown to Extinction CD prob- when I first got an, a, uh, an iBook G3. Okay. So that would be the original, not remastered. He says, anyway, I'm glad Clint's giving Megadeth a chance, as I really enjoy a lot of their songs. He might enjoy something like Endgame better. My favorite's definitely Rust in Peace. As for Slayer and Anthrax, I never really got into them as much because of the vocals, which is strange, considering that Dave Mustaine doesn't have a great voice. I guess I'm just used to it now, and it would be weird if it didn't sound that way. Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) I wasn't expecting it to end right there. I know. Well, you switch pages. Uh, well we're going to do... Uh, I don't know what we're going to do next. We're going to do a Slayer record, I think, next. It's, but, your, it's your choice. Uh, we're going to do all these records. Yeah, we're going to do as many as we can over the course of you know the next 10 years. Um, <laughs> That's right. It's going to be awesome. That's right. Um, yeah, it, it is fun. I'm, I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. And we got a lot of good feedback on the Countdown Extinction episode. We did get episode. a shitload of good feedback. Yeah, so it'll be fun to go through a lot of other ones. And it might have been just good feedback because of, of Mustaine. I don't know, but... We're going to go through everything, you know, Among the Living, Rain and Blood. Persistence uh, of Time. All sorts of good stuff. Um, yeah, I'm excited to start dipping in some anthrax. Totally. Yeah, tits. Oh, my God. Who's texting me right now? Uh, what does that say? Oh, uh, went away. Oh. It, okay. It's probably not important. Uh, next email is from Tim Brown. He says, uh, I just wanted to send a quick email that the intro to your show is fucking sick. 
Uh, I'm not sure if anyone else has gushed over this in an email, uh, but the editing of all the riffs chronologically by album is superb. The transition from Creeping Death to Master is stellar. Kudos to anyone involved in the making of the intro. Never, ever delete that. Well, let me just go ahead and say on the front end of this that that's all even luck. Uh, I did the... I had had an edit, or I had a uh, suggestion for changing something. I can't remember what it was now. It's been a while. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. You made one that said the one this one thing doesn't work, and you changed one thing, right? It was probably just one song from one of the records or something, but right. I, well, I mean, I made that. I don't know a couple of weeks before we even started, yeah. like launched an episode, ago. and yeah. And uh, I remember, yeah, sending it to Clint. It was just like this is that's our intro, sweet. Well, we now we if you haven't noticed, we have changed the uh, the, the the Lars the, quote at the beginning. Yeah. We figured it was time for a change. We should have changed it sooner. It's fine. I like the new one. The Kings of Metal. I'd like to thank, by the way, Alex Finney for sending us that. I'd also like to thank uh, Tiffany for sending us these mugs. They're oh the gosh. whiskey in the jar. You, you guys listening can't see them, but you guys here can. The Metallica mugs. Look at those. Very sweet of her. Um, and Instagram line still going. Also, um, shit, Brett Faz, I think, sent us some Metallica beer. People have been sending us a lot of stuff. Someone sent us some Gohira records. Um, someone sent us a 7-inch and some T-shirts. People have been people send us stuff all the time, and uh, our fans are like San, a lot of little Santa Clauses. Anyway, to anyone to anyone who's sending us stuff to HQ One and Two, thank you so much. Many of these are being repurposed as uh, gifts for patrons. Speaking of that, by the way, the Justice box set's coming out, Ooh. and we are giving one of those away. We're buying one and giving it That's away. Right. We're going to do a review of it, and uh, we're also going to be giving away uh, some of the blackened whiskey. This is correct. So don't forget that, and you you know you can get involved. We have like 160 or so patrons. And we're going to be doing those contests for patrons. So anyway, and some of the things that we've that we've accumulated from uh, the generous mailings of our fans, including STDs, including STDs. Um, you know, you can send the that's you can from send, physical support. You can send a single herpes in a very a very tiny file uh, Manila envelope. Yeah, just one herpes. That's all it takes, man. Our next email is from Tim Rasmussen. Hey, brothers. Oh, he says brothers. Oh, brothers. He says, so long since I've mailed you Reader's Digest-loving Psychotrons. <laughs> How does Psychotron go? Psychotron! Not, not bionic. Or what did he say? Not, <laughs> not or, bionic. Not, not, a si- not a cyborg. Not bionic, not a cyborg. cyborg. Uh, what's the next line? Uh, I'm Psychotron. He says, I've been falling behind with the podcast due to not being able to listen to it at work at the moment, but I'm catching up bit by bit. Cool that it's going from strength to strength, which is a nice little Pantera reference. Yeah. And I'm definitely giving the filmed episodes a thumbs up. Seriously excited for your Ray Burton episode. Can't believe the boys and their management haven't contacted you yet for some podcast spots. It'll happen. No one better interview them. That's very sweet of you to say. Glad to hear you finally giving Megadeth some love, Clint. I'm looking at you. Your punishment is due. Ooh. That's a Megadeth re- reference. <laughs> Excellent countdown episode. It'd be great to hear a Killing Is My Business episode. It's full of rage and great riffs. The recent remix and remaster released this year really does it justice. Another good one to cover would be Dystopia. Really great album, and they finally reached the heights of the Rust in Peace countdown. Euthanasia era again. Also really looking forward to more of the other Big Four episodes. As much as I think the Big Four is epic, Testament, the band he's referring to, really belong there too. I don't know how much you've heard of them, but they're releasing the best material of all the big thrash bands, including the Big Four, in my opinion. Wow. Testament's cool. Better than Hardwired? I don't know about that. Uh, their classics are Practice What You Preach, New Order, Souls at Black. Are you familiar with these records? Yeah, yeah. Practice What You Preach is a great record. 
but you really need to also check out every release since 2007. Okay, let me carve some time out of my friggin' <laughs> butt to listen to all this. Uh, Formation of Damnation, Black Roots of the Earth, and also Brotherhoods of the Snake. Good God, these titles. Uh, the titles make me want to listen Brotherhoods to them. Brotherhoods of the Snake. Uh, I hope you consider reviewing any of these. I'd argue that overall their discography beats Anthrax, but hey, it's hard to top Whoa. them on the living. Persistence of time, and that's why Anthrax are there. And Keep- stay to euphoria. He says, keep up the great work. Cheers. Well, thanks, Tim. Um, we're going to be revisiting. We're going to be checking out all these fucking records. If oh, you yeah. hang in there with us long enough. Yeah, for the next 10 years, we'll be, we'll be covering we'll it. We'll be covering them. Come on down. Uh, our last email is from John Houtus. He says, hey, guys. Zautas. Zautas. Remember me? It's been a... <laughs> remember me? Uh, it's been a while since I last wrote in. Just want to say that I'm still on the ride and never miss an episode. Love the Mail Tales from the Road segments you guys are doing. They are awesome. Keep me, uh, keeping me pumped for all things Metallica. Um, I will be going to the Albany show, which was just a couple nights ago. I talked to Will Valor about that one on our last Metal Tales episode. Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, we're going to the Albany show, so I can't wait for uh, that. Just two more days to go. I'll be driving up there uh, from the city. I think things means New York City. Uh, with my wife and staying there for a couple days. And when, you know what I'm saying? When you're in Albany, you got to stay for a couple days. Of course. It's Albany. It takes a couple days to get out of there. Exactly. It's a three-hour drive from here, so uh, not driving back right after the show. I'll be wearing my bow jacket with the Military Podcast patch, of course. LOL. Nice. Um, you got to laugh out loud. Uh, <laughs> I'm also working on going to the Nashville show and pre-party uh, you're doing. If I can get my shit together by then, I will be there. I will let you know. Anyways, keep up the awesome work and can't wait for the next episode. Your number one fan, Zoutas. Zoutas. Well, we hope you come down to the pre-party. It's going to be awesome. I mean, hopefully there's space for you because it's going to be <laughs> pretty popular. And just like that, all you have to do is send us an email to metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail.com. We might read it on the thing. We just might. We love hearing from the Metal Up Your Podcast family. And without further ado, let's get out of the fucking email corner. Let's do it. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Blackened, which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects that Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month. So go check it out. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Adios. All right. I'm ready to hear from Jay Weinberg. I am. Uh, we're fresh off just talking to him. And uh, anything we need to say to... to be, do we need to read his credentials? I mean, come on. I mean, well, first, I mean, most of you know Jay Weinberg, uh, son of Max Weinberg. We kind of talked about the beginning of the show. I mean, he's played for Slipknot, played for Against Me, played for Madball. Um, he's done all sorts of cool stuff. He, I mean, at one point, he filled in for his own father in the E Street Band. That's crazy. Yeah, it's cool. Good, man. He, he's a great dude. Um, uh, we talk about how me and him met years ago on Warp Tour and, and all that. We'll get into in, in this bit of the episode, but... Uh, yeah, we can't thank Jay enough for taking the time out of his evening to come over to my house and HQ1 and 
it's a long one, but we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, and you know, lots of love and respect to Jay for whatever he's got coming going on the next few months. I know he's going to be busy. And yeah, uh, without further ado, here we bring you Jay Weinberg. Here it is. All right, let's jump right into it. Uh, we're sitting here at HQ1, me and Clint, and uh, this, besides Paul, I think this is the first guest to come over to my house, to HQ1. How does we, it feel? Not a lot Mr. of people have Mr. been Mr. over Jay here. Weinberg. Jay Weinberg. Feels awesome. Yeah, <laughs> feels good. Me. Yeah. Temperature okay? Yeah, you I, feel, I feel great. I'm surrounded by music gear, so. Yeah, you feel like you're at home. habitat, yeah. I yeah, you're, you're spending the night tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, one thing that I don't know that we can maybe lead off with for our listeners is I actually don't know how you guys met. How do you guys know each other? Uh, Warp Tour. Did we meet on Warp Tour? We did. Yeah. Uh, we didn't hang yeah. out a ton, but I do remember you were uh, playing with Against Me at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, I do remember, I think, being in catering one day. Your hair was super short. Yeah. You were, how mm-hmm. old are you on that too? That was 11, I, was, I think, right? I was 20. 20? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I just remember walking up to you because I just, I think I just watched your set because we, yeah. we were on like the stages next to each other. And uh, yes, yeah, walked over and said, hey man, great drumming, love, you know, watching you play with them and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't hang out too much on that tour, but we, I watched you guys and yeah. stuff. And I mean, that tour is such a crazy, like, that was my first warp, first and only warp tour. Right. Um, Man, just every day, like, you know, fi- not knowing what time you're going to play until you wake yep. up. And sometimes you play right when you wake up. Yep, and it's a bummer. <laughs> um, you know, that that whole tour is just a constantly, like, readjusting to your surroundings. So it's kind, yeah. of, it's kind of an insane, like, you know, that whole punk rock summer camp. But, yeah. like, you're just constantly sweaty constantly like mm-hmm. tired constantly hungry <laughs> yeah there's like there's like two are you describing me just every day now? <laughs> yeah i'm describing, we're describing clint yeah, yeah. There, there's like i think literally two or three cities where the weather's actually good it's like yeah. two like one or two california dates and maybe a canada date yeah we everything mi- else is misery we took off the for the middle like week and we got back to the tour and heard that like somebody died at one of the shows. Oh, like, I remember Pittsburgh that. Or something, yeah, Cleveland or something. Yeah, like someone that. got like crushed or, or something. I can't remember. Uh, what, what, heat something. Maybe, something yeah. or other. I hate those stories. But like, yeah, I mean, it was it was a. Uh, otherwise, it was a great tour. But, um, and you know, you play like a 30, 40 minute set, and the rest of your day is just kind of like hanging out and stuff. So you yeah. really, you really like, you can just like throw all your energy into 30 40 minutes and the you rest really are kind can, of just yeah. like hanging out and yeah it, it's it was it was a cool tour but that's how we met but we yeah. didn't hang out too much on that didn't tour, hang out a ton. it might have been, even been towards the end of the tour or something but uh yeah. and i don't think it was until uh you moved here mm-hmm. that we ran into each other at the dropkick murphy's show yeah uh-huh. on the on the little vip balcony because mm-hmm. you know we're, we're pretty of pretty awesome course, naturally i think clint was down on the floor or something probably <laughs> dying dying of heat stroke that's right <laughs> now yeah we ran into each other there and I, I didn't i thought you were just in town or something and then uh yes yeah, swap numbers and had a little cuddle and things <laughs> things a little that, side hug a little side hug yeah, and then and then you know uh we just run into each other around town a bunch and yeah. we've been trying to work this out for a while and finally it happened hell yeah finally works yeah but uh 
Yeah, that's kind of how Nashville has always, has been since I've been here. Like yeah. I moved here three and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's always been like that. Like just kind of always. I I knew that I would come down here and there'd be kind of a bed of of creative people, especially with like the kind actually the Warp Tour kind of family of people and the yeah. Fort Finney camp and stuff like that. Like all those all all those friends are are here. Right. Um. So I moved down here kind of knowing that that would be uh, kind of like my starting off point of like, okay, I know these people that live yeah, down exactly. here. Yeah, um, exactly. But really, it was kind of a fresh start coming down here. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's so much of that. And that's what I love about it is that uh, much more so than I felt in New Jersey, um, there's just, I don't know, you're, you're constantly running into people who... who you're familiar with from touring or um just people in bands everybody's everybody who owns like an independent business is is you know is a very collaborative feel in this city Mm -hmm. and um and so you know always running into people like yourself and and uh other friends especially in on the east side in east nashville that's where i feel like um i've found just a total collaborative inner communal kind of you know vibe of people yeah. that's pretty awesome that's awesome yeah, yeah. and well and, and i think we'll get a, a little specific into what you just said regarding your best buddy show when we get to that yeah. eventually because i really I, I love your passion for that so we'll talk about that at some mm-hmm. point but um i guess speaking of new jersey let's uh let's let the fans get get to know jay a little better <laughs> you know let's talk about i, I just i'm curious because you know because Technically, I've known you for a long time, but we haven't hung out a ton. Yeah. Um, but just about kind of your upbringing and, and you know, growing up in a musical family surrounded by music, I'm sure, with your dad. Yeah. And at what point you started playing drums and kind of give us a little little bit of insight on that. Yeah, the drums didn't come till later, but music was always a part of my, uh, my life, my upbringing. Like... Um, I mean, I didn't know that my dad was in a band until I was yeah. nine when they got back together. But uh, but it always kind of been in our house. And my mom raised my sister and me mainly on like classical music. She showed okay. us a lot of classical and um, didn't really know what rock and roll was until um, I mean, I was three when the late night with Conan O'Brien show started. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so uh, in '95, I was five, and Pete Townsend was going to be on the show, and uh, and my dad had told my mom, like, oh, we got to bring the kids to see, you know, Pete Townsend or whatever. And she's like, well, they're not going to care who Pete Townsend is. They don't know who the who are and all that. So so they're like, OK, well, we got to introduce them to this kind of music and stuff. So um, that kind of quickly began my education into just rock and roll, just listening to the who and the Stones and the band and the Beatles and um, Bob Dylan, stuff like that. Um and uh and the who was my favorite band when i was like five yeah uh, quadrophenia was like the only album i would listen to i made my parents play that every yeah, day in the car awesome. uh my first show that i ever saw i was five years old seeing the, the who do quadrophenia wow um who's drumming uh i believe that would have been zach starkey yeah i'm pretty right. sure back in nine wait was he with them in uh, I, I don't know i, I know, know he did it i know that uh ringo's son played for them i don't know if that was 95 yeah, i know he I, mean, I know he still does yeah that's very that's recent when i saw I don't him a know few years ago here back. he was playing yeah he's a badass oh he's great but i don't know if that was him back then i remember like i have a pretty 
vivid memory of like just being there and watching like their intro video and stuff and and then playing that album i believe uh billy idol came out as cousin kevin wow. and stuff like, oh, wow. it, was sick. it was rad um i remember being like on my dad's shoulders like with my fist in the air like i kind of have this <laughs> vision of like madison square garden watching what a band that. for you to have been into several years before you would even play drums like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. prescient with the keith moon cloud hanging yeah, over it right you know? yeah many years actually before i started playing drums right. um because that yeah that was like when i was five mm. and um i didn't gra- uh, gravitate towards music really first like i i got a guitar um for my ninth birthday um remember what it was yeah it's a telecaster i still have it i still like what i write on and awesome. stuff um but uh but yeah, so my dad got me a, a guitar for my birthday, but then I, I like I took lessons from the guy that was like you know in the in the town over, and it made it like school and playing scales and shit, and I just like didn't want to do school after school, so <laughs> right. um, so I kind of put it away, and um, and around that same time I started playing hockey, so hockey actually kind of like came before everything. That was oh wow okay I didn't realize you were like been a hockey like guy that long. Yeah. I know that you're always going to Predators games and stuff like that. Yep. Um, yeah. So growing up in New Jersey on the east coast there's so much of uh, of hockey you know there's so much hockey to play and and i grew up like in a town over from a really good rink so um started playing travel hockey at a pretty young age um you know would play up and down the east coast up into canada for tournaments and stuff like that um so that kind of dominated my time between like eight years old and maybe like 13 14 okay years old um that was everything i started playing for um for my high school but at that same time um especially from i know i'm like dancing around ages here but like <laughs> when i was in fifth grade i remember getting into really like my what i would consider like my music that i was gravitating towards and finding on my own um you know heavy guitar driven distortion driven crazy vocals kind of right, crazy yeah. bands that all started truthfully um going to see slipknot for the first time uh when i was about 10 years old Oh, um, crazy. and your dad took you to that gig or? yeah yeah that's an um, interesting story it's, it's a that's a crazy one but uh before i jump into that but so you know like getting um getting into my own type of music and finding out stuff like that my sister was listening to like Old, she, an older she brought sister me, yeah an older sister three years older so mm-hmm. she brought me to like I didn't know what the pop disaster tour was. And there I got to see, you know, like green day and blink One Eighty Two um, at really great points in both those bands, uh, you know, trajectories. And, and so um, I never had an older sibling, but so many of of us owe a debt to our older siblings for their record collections. My my younger sister never, she hated what I I listened to. Like by the time she was getting into music, I was already into Metallica and like, punk rock stuff and yeah. like listening to, to what she described as annoying music <laughs> now my niece describes it as gross gross <laughs> i tried to show her metallic one time in the car when she was out here visiting i was like hey brooklyn what do you think of this and she her face was like she just ate something that like went that spoiled wow and she goes well, were they playing saint anger or no i was playing master of fucking puppets <laughs> too easy wow yeah all right, you were talking about seeing green day blink 182 yeah all that kind of stuff she got me into i i think i remember like walking through like like walking through her room on the way to my room and like hearing the used for the first time mm-hmm. and then i got super into them and like brandon steinecker is one of my best friends you know the awesome. last like fuck 15 years something wow, like that crazy. um so yeah um 
that's when I started to really kind of find out what I wanted to to know about music, but I still didn't pick up, you know, play bass a little bit, but then still took lessons, made it like school, and I just was over it. Yeah. Um, so drums didn't come until I was about like 14 or 15. Okay, um, wow. And, uh, and that, you know, we had drums in the house. And, um, and at that time I'd been, I'd been traveling with my dad a lot on tour. Uh, the E street band got back together when I was nine. So they, you know, a great thing that I was fortunate enough to, to be along for the ride for was like when they got back together and they did this big reunion tour and then did several albums, like one after the other, um, when they would go, good albums too. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we would go, you know, they do like summer, big summer stadium tours in Europe and stuff. And so, um, right before summer, maybe for like a month or so, my mom was a high school teacher. So she would, the, my school would be cool with like her road schooling us, so to speak. Wow. And, uh, and so we'd go on the road, um, do homework and tests in the morning, hmm. go to, you know, parks and museums in the afternoon and then go watch the street band. Just <laughs> destroy what was nightly. it like for you? Wow. Were you aware of Bruce's music? Were you, did you ever listen to the records or not the classics or not at all? I had no idea what they were all about, their history or anything. I, did, I didn't know. Job. Yeah, I didn't know that they had records. Wow! Like I, you'd was never so, heard Born to Run or yeah, or, no. or even Born in the USA or anything like that. No. Wow. I, I had no concept of it at all when I was when they got back together and and I was nine. I went to the shows and I had no idea what was going and, on. And Springsteen fans are sort of historically avid and insane. Yeah. He could open up with a super deep cut and they'll all sing it. Mm-hmm. So you go from really not knowing about your dad's work to seeing arenas or whatever stadiums, maybe even full of people. Yeah. Wow. It, yeah. It's an emotional show, a Springsteen show. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've probably seen them more than any band. I probably will have seen them more than any band in my yeah, life, you right. know, and... Um, and I'm happy about that because because they, I mean, what they do is is really it's in its own class and kind of second to none with what they do. But um, I agree. Yeah, I'm watching them do like three and a half, four hour shows. Right. It's it's ridiculous. Really, like, goddamn, I'm tired. I <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Bruce is still um, going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of like my entire uh, bringing me up until the point where I started playing drums. Um, that was kind of my arc of like growing up in New Jersey. Um, when I was 12, I would, I would take like the train up from, from where I was, it was like an hour and a half train ride up to New York. And once I started getting into bands like the used and, um, oh man, bouncing souls and stuff like that. Like I would take the train up to New York pretty often. Um, go meet my dad at the Conan show where he worked in New York, probably hang around like St. Mark's or something like that until he was done with work. And then we'd like go grab some dinner and then go watch a band at at CBGB's or Roseland or Irving Plaza or Webster Hall or or whatever, you know, we'd, we'd do that a lot. And I, I was doing that like several times a week. Um, you know, when I was in school, I'd just do my homework on the train and then uh, yeah. and then go to a show at night. So um, when Max was doing the Conan days, it's weird because when I was a kid, I didn't know much about Bruce Springsteen either, but I knew about Conan like yeah. early when the year 2000 bit was really before yeah. the year 2000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and that. Uh, I love that they kept it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember, remember thinking like after the new year happened, are they going to do it and seeing the first episode where they did? Oh, it was great. Mm-hmm. So with your dad doing that gig, was that kind of like him having a day job? Was he kind of home every night by by supper and all that stuff pretty much a little bit after that maybe like nine o'clock or something when Mm -hmm. i'm like i've done my homework and had dinner and i'm kind of like getting ready for bed when i was a kid right um those things don't start filming until like i mean at least the the late shows i've done i mean 
I'm there like 7 a.m., but like the bands, usually the, the house bands don't even come in and start rehearsing until like 2 or something. Yeah. 2 or 3. Oh, man. And they, I mean, they really hit it hard. Like, right. like the the seven band that he had like they just they had a little room and they would just play all well, the time well he was a band leader too so he had a lot of responsibility yeah. yeah and they had a lot of like original kind of stuff that they would do they would rework like cover songs to make them totally like a that jazzed up kind of big band right, band yeah. that they had and they were so impressive man their work ethic was just so like god they they really worked really hard and i got to i would i would see it you know yeah. going into to watch them and um best band in late night in absolutely my oh yeah. Vino, amazing guitar player yeah, yeah. the uh, i can't remember the trumpet player's name uh the author shaved head oh pender yeah what, mark, mark pender mark uh i did the first time i ever was at conan back when you're still in new york and your dad was still playing um i was teching for a band and i would just sit on a road case in the hallway backstage and that mm-hmm. dude came over and started talking to me and my buddy super cool dude yeah we ended up chatting for like a good half hours about music and stuff and he yeah. had, like didn't care that we weren't in the band or a guest or anything mm-hmm. it was just an all-around good guy and good experience yeah it was it's like it was a really great vibe with that show they just had a really you know the hallway was pretty tight so you're always kind of running into somebody yeah and, um you know i got i was fortunate to to see a lot of my favorite bands i could go into dad's work and just yeah, like totally. watch you know my favorite bands like soundcheck playing yeah. a late night show or wow. whatever um and then they probably go play a show at irving plaza that night right yeah you know? so i wonder was, if you were in the building when i was there that'd be funny it would have been probably like yeah. you would have been you were born in 90 90 yeah you it would have been 06 yeah I was, I, was, I was going up pretty frequently yeah. then yeah um Man, and just seeing how they worked, like doing all those bits, those crazy bits that they would have, and just like the costume department and, and this and that. It was a really weird, kind of crazy, you know, environment to yeah to like go to dad's work. You yeah, know? exactly. But that was <laughs> but that was probably fairly normal for you. Like this is this is where you That's grew true. up, and it, you know, it wasn't like your dad was like a realtor. You for, didn't have a lot yeah, to compare but, it to. No, uh, yeah, it was completely kind of like it all. Yeah, at a certain point, it all kind of started to make sense. Like, oh, these like these stadium shows and this crazy tour yeah. and this and and this very how many uh, is it night? Oh, only fifty thousand. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Right. Do you have a unique memory of a band that you liked, the, a hero band of yours that you got to see in that environment? Do a soundtrack or whatever. Man, Any, anything um, stick out? I remember being really young and watching Finch uh, soundcheck at the at the Conan show, and that was really cool. Mm, yeah, um, Finch is cool. Yeah, so they played that on the What It Is to Burn records. So that was kind of cool for me to see it, like that's twelve years. Oh, years that's old awesome! Or something yeah. like that. Um, I think I got to see Slipknot uh, soundcheck uh, when they were touring in support of their third record. Um, who else? Is that the Subliminal okay. Versus? Yeah. That record. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, so uh, a, a lot of bands. I would, yeah, I would see. Sure. I would see a lot of bands and and watching them, you know, and just kind of chilling in the in the green room, just kind of I don't know, just kind of taking it all in as a very impressionable young kid. And um, but that was a lot of my my upbringing was just kind of like these really crazy scenarios that would be totally like avant garde or yeah. or like a little much to handle. I think maybe for anybody else, but the fact that I was around it for. You know, since I was a kid, and and that I was I was like touring with my dad and and his band for a while. Um, it all started to be like, like, why wouldn't this happen? Right. You know, like yeah, well, totally. I, I was kind of used to like some crazy, yeah, some crazy scenarios, or at least just being around it, not being involved, just but but just trying not to get in the way, trying not to get in the way were of there any other, road cases uh, or whatever. Were there other band members or crew members, kids also out too? Like, did you? Yeah, um, yeah, with Bruce, a lot of the guys, um, 
in the band who had children, you know, after they after they split up, I believe, you know, in '88, um, they uh, all the all the guys in the band had kids, mm-hmm. or maybe some had kids in the beginning, but like. Um, my sister and I were born, my sister was born right before the band kind of split up in 88. Um, and then I was born pretty soon after. And so there was a bunch of kids born after that weren't around with the band. So now all of a sudden, like the band's back out on tour and there's all these kids. Right. Uh, so yeah, so, so we <laughs> definitely, we yeah, <laughs> well, we definitely, um, uh, Bruce's children were out with us. Roy's children were out with us. Uh, Gary's children were out with us. Um, yeah, so we'd all so kind of cool. You kind of had like, someone to share that kind of crazy life with. A little yeah, bit, along you know? that same kind of age, and my sister and I would, you know, mm-hmm. we'd we'd be traveling and together and, and whatever. Um, and that became a whole thing where you know, once the the kids were kind of old enough and they were about maybe twelve or thirteen, um, they get up on stage and if they played an instrument, like if they played a guitar, they'd hop up on stage and, yeah. and play. My sister played keyboards um, mm. with the band at Madison Square Garden when she was like twelve. Wow. Um, like yeah. during the show? Yeah, she played Glory Days like no during way. the show. Really? Or Dancing in the Dark, one of the two. Um yeah. Something uh, from, from Born in the USA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. So she so she played that and I was like blown away. You know, I was like what nine yeah, about nine years old wow. when she did that. Um and you never thought you might one day do something similar? Well, the yeah, the thing about that was that it was like, okay, I, I play guitar kinda, I play bass kinda. But when I started playing drums, when I was like 14, I was the last of all the kids of the guys in the band who hadn't done it yet, right. who hadn't gotten up on stage. And was there maybe some pressure almost? Like if you're the, <laughs> the last? There was not, none for me because I thought it just couldn't be done. Because it's just like, well, I play drums and... I'm not going to get up on stage with them because if I'm messing up, you can't just like duck me in the mix. Right. Yeah, you, know? totally. you can't just yeah. like bring me down and try to hide me. Totally. You know? So I was just like, well, I'm just never going to get up there. And I was fine with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, but my dad kind of, you know, threw me under the bus a little bit. And he was just like, you just got to do it. You just, you know, yeah. what play one song with us. And, um, and we did it at Soundcheck. We, I played one song with them when I Which was 17 tune? at Soundcheck, uh, Born to Run. Okay. Awesome. You say at 17? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, it was right when I graduated high school, you know, spent the summer touring with like my uh, quote unquote touring with my high school band, we, you know, played from New Jersey down to Florida and back. Yeah. Um, and getting ready to go, to go to college and figuring out, you know, that band pretty soon thereafter disbanded. But, right. uh, but yeah, I played I played a song with them at Soundcheck, and then Bruce was like, "Well, that sounded great. Let's just do it during the show." <laughs> and uh, and yeah, that was the first time I'd ever played on a stage that big. I, I, you it know, was Giant Stadium, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Can you? Can... And so you ended up playing that night. Yeah. No way. Yeah, it was like August or July of of t- two thousand eight. Right one of the I most t- beloved Springsteen songs of all time. That's yeah. crazy. And oddly, strangely, one of the only ones your dad didn't play on the record. Uh huh. The only yeah the, the I only believe the only song isn't that unless there's crazy? a song without drums on that record yeah that's crazy yeah uh boom carter played drums on that song i believe i'd have to have my facts checked but i believe that they did that song like over the course of a really long amount of time before like the rest of the songs because boom played on that song and then my dad was on the rest of that because i think he came into the fold after that song was done i think it was a jimmy evening thing like just wanting to engineer taking six months to engineer Mm -hmm. a vocal yeah right so everyone got 
you know, I just think for whatever reason that day wasn't there or something yeah. or around. Worth it. <laughs> Worth it to take that long. It's a great song. Totally. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, totally. in that, in that yeah. case, for sure. Yeah. yeah. In the case of Chinese democracy, so, not so, so much. <laughs> looking back and, and, and uh, uh, being honest about your performance, how was it? I think it was good. It was yeah. solid. Pretty yeah, good. Is it, is, it it. On, uh, is it on YouTube? It's probably on YouTube. It's on the YouTube. It has so to be. We'll have to it's, find it. We'll it's find all it. over the We'll place. be the judge but, uh, of that, Jay. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we did it, and Take I was like, poll. fuck, I, I, I did it. I don't have to ever do it again. I get to say that I played Giant Stadium and, and this and that. And it was a great moment, especially, I mean, just for, like, me and my dad or me and my family. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, you know, him being able to go out front for a second and watch his band play. Yeah, is that what he did? He went out front? Yeah, he, like, stood on the edge of the stage, on the edge of, like, the catwalk kind of and and just watched us like taking it all in like what is this yeah uh, because being in the band you're never gonna get that perspective no no he hadn't had that perspective in 40 years yeah you know so uh it's the only reason he had a son yeah (laughs) one day 17 years later he'll play drums and i'll be able to watch us play one song without yeah and i so i've been i've been playing drums for about three years at that point um and played that song started college um and pretty soon after that was this scheduling conflict where Bruce had scheduled a European t- a tour to start the day that the uh, late night show was transitioning to the Tonight Show. So mm-hmm. they had been off for a while um, in preparation to become the Tonight Show. Everybody was going to go out to Burbank, and they were going to it was going to be an hour earlier, um, all that. So uh, my dad kind of had to be at the beginning of that, and that opened up this kind of weird scheduling conflict where he had to be in two places at once, and uh, and that I think kind of set off a light bulb maybe in Bruce's head of like, well, his son played one song with us. Maybe he could learn like <laughs> maybe 500 others. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, so, so he asked my dad more as like a father instead of, I think, you know, the band leader and the, and the songwriter and singer, like, I think just like, would your son like crack under that kind of pressure? Yeah. I mean, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> the only one way to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So, yeah, t- tell us about that combo. And this is so you Matt- still still what seventeen or eighteen? I was seventeen, just about to turn eighteen. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I started. I started school. So I guess I was eighteen at this point. So I started. I started college in Hoboken and just you know playing with a bunch of bands in and around New York and and doing school full time. And it was only a couple months before um, I got a call from Bruce asking if I'd be interested in doing that or, or think I could do that and that was the Um, first you heard of it was from bruce yeah my dad kind of put it to me he's like don't he's like i don't know what we're gonna do but this is kind of happening with my schedule and with with conan and with this tour and he's like we don't know what we're gonna do but i'm he's like i'm not gonna lie to you like your name has come up and we're talking about maybe you filling in. He's like, don't get your hopes up. I don't know if it's going to be what right. they would want to do or whatever, but, um, but this very well could happen. Like, cause it yeah. seems like pre on previous tours where there may have been conflicts, Jimmy Vivino would just sort of run the show. Well, if, yeah, the, if uh, Max couldn't be there, right? Yeah. Well, there's that other what's the other drummer's name that is, is the current James drummer. Wormworth. James Wormworth. James mm-hmm. Wormworth. That's right. But yeah. I guess this because they were they were going to go to L.A. and start the Tonight yeah, Show. Yeah, it was like a big moment for for the whole organization, you know, especially for the people who had been there since the beginning. What were you thinking about them possibly having to move out west? I mean, that was on the table, right? The whole crew and band and everybody did. The whole yeah, show my mom moved and dad. Out there. My mom and dad moved out there. Right. I was already I had already moved out and went and started school, you know, <clears> so that. That was already kind of in motion. Um, 
but uh but yeah it was definitely like um uh my family you know i grew up in new jersey my whole my whole life i lived there my whole life so that was a whole like that was going to take some getting used to um the fact that we you know my mom and dad weren't going to be in new jersey if i wanted to you know hang out with them it would have to be in la or, or whatever but um you know that stuff happens and um and we you know we got got used to it however we have and and our our our, all of our lives you know my nuclear family like it's we've just gotten used to it at this point that like it's a it's a really rare thing for the four of us um the five of us now with my brother-in-law like we it's hard to get us all in the same so they stayed out there um, is that what the deal did, when the Tonight, did show, when thing the Tonight show happened? Uh, but it was short, pretty short lived. It was only yeah. like two years before um, NBC. NBC, the whole thing with you know, I actually Jay thought Leno. it was less than two years. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, so they 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 didn't stay in LA. Uh, they moved back to New Jersey. I think while I was still in college, and then when I started like touring heavily with other bands, um, and then uh, now they're in Florida. So they moved from New Jersey to Florida and stuff. My sister's in DC. She's a uh, she's like a reporter in cool. DC, oh, wow. and um, and so yeah. So um, we we were kind of all over the place, and we kind of always have been, kind of always have done our own things, right. um, especially when I moved out and went to college. But um, so you, but Bruce yeah. calls you and kind of says we might want you to do the thing. What do you say? He, yeah, he just said he, uh, I'll never forget. He was, he called me and, uh, he was like, he goes, as you know, I have this band <laughs> and in this band, we have the world's greatest drummer. Uh, that's so this, cool. Yeah. And he's like, this world's greatest drummer has a scheduling conflict. And when I asked him how we can maybe resolve this scheduling conflict, he gave me your name and number. <laughs> and, uh, and so yeah, so Does he, he always talks like he's inducting someone into the fucking rock and roll hall of fame. I know, totally. <laughs> he's such a great speaker, dude. Yeah, that's so he funny. Is. He is so. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the conversation that we had about just kind of like strap in for all that this is gonna entail, and it's gonna entail a lot. And I basically never stopped. You know, I never stopped learning the entire time I was doing it. It was like a constant um, growth process within that machine and right. constantly learning other songs and God, we played so much. Um, but, uh, and was it a deal w- where sometimes I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. Was it a deal sometimes where Max could make some of the show? Yes. Where you would play maybe half the show. They integrated me into the show. Yeah. Cause it's kind of a lot to ask of anybody, uh, to go from playing, you know, from never playing a show like that to all of a sudden playing a three and a half, four hour show, especially it's a different, it's like, a different set every night, right? Or, yeah, completely. completely. So that's, um, yeah, and I've always heard too, uh, actually a very, very close friend of mine text for your dad for a number of years. Matt Payne. Matt yeah. Payne. Oh, Matt's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I met Matt when I first moved here in 01. Right on. We've been close ever since, but um, he would tell me all sorts of crazy stuff like, you know, everyone, especially your dad would have to watch Bruce's foot when the intro to a song would start. Cause he's setting the tempo. Uh huh. Stuff like that, you know. So you're always constantly watching whatever Bruce is doing. Yeah, he's the you know he's almost like the you know he's the band leader. He's conduct- yeah. conducting. You know, yeah, it's like a flying V. Like everybody's kind of just following him. Yeah, um, for, but there for is them. a set list. Do you, do you get a set list bef- during the day? Yes, you know, maybe like thirty minutes before hitting the stage. Thirty, and then you know he he could change the song we're gonna open with right. walking to the stage. Oof. You know, and is, it sounds like Eddie Vedder. For those <laughs> for those of you out there who 
have never done anything like that. That's what it was like touring with Bob Schneider. I toured this guy named Bob Schneider. It was like that. I would beg him just to tell me the first two. Mm-hmm. Just let me know the first two so yeah. I know what we're getting into. Yeah. Uh, that is very difficult to the, do. The whole middle of the set was just question marks. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. He would just decide, hey, we're, well, because everyone has to know every song. Yeah. I mean, did you have to learn it basically his entire catalog? A lot of it. Yeah, yeah a lot of it. There was certain stuff that... Um, was kind of like we're not gonna play anything off this and and whatever so like you can focus on everything else but um it was a lot yeah and i was constantly like every i think every show day i was learning like five songs um wow. and then we'd you know we'd probably play one or two of those at sound check and then maybe throw like one of those into the set something wow. like that it was that was pretty and then you eventually worked your way to where you were playing the full show yes so um so they integrated me into the set first you know i'd come out for one song and then like two songs at the end and then i'd play the whole encore mm-hmm. then i'd play like the last quarter of the set and then i'd play the back half of the set and then all the way till you know my dad was making an appearance and then uh then that led us all the way up to the date where he'd have to be at the tonight show i'm playing the full set how did the fans receive that vibe tried to really not pay attention to it um because it was that i mean no matter for anybody that's just an insane amount of pressure you know to to come into a band like that with such a history and 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 such a rabid fan base all Mm -hmm. over the place i didn't really that that kind of instilled in me like the i mean really the the kind of uh um state of mind that i've always had to have uh, playing in in like existing projects projects that have been a lot around for a long time um pretty interesting precursor for slipknot actually yeah, yeah which is just kind of like you know what as long as the guys that i'm playing with on stage are are satisfied with my contribution that's all i care about yeah totally you know? right. and and i and i hope that it connects with the audience that has existed for for you know for the e street band or for any band that i've that i've played with that's you know that's of course like you hope to carry on and, and contribute in a positive way that that you feel like people who have connected with a certain band for a while and it means a lot to them because i know what that feels like like yeah. i'm i'm a fan of music and, and i'm a fan of bands mm. um lifelong fan of of bands and um so when when a change is made or or when whenever something like that you know a new person is introduced to a group or whatever it's a dynamic shift you're changing a certain percentage of your band yeah. you know oh, yeah. and and your you know your sound your attitude your vibe your whole thing so you know, with me, it's kind of like, uh, I gotta know, I gotta believe that like, okay, if this person is asking me to play in this band, it's because there's something I suppose in my playing that they see that's a, that's a, that's a strength or a characteristic that could bring something positive to what they're already doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I just got to go with that and just kind of be myself, not chase, you know, my dad and I are completely different drummers. You couldn't get two. Oh yeah, absolutely. You couldn't get two more different drummers, and then to have two people playing for the same band pretty much at the same time, mm-hmm. splitting shows. You know, that's an interesting thing, and I think you know I, I've spoken with him about how it made him. Because now after that experience, we had this really like interesting kind of dynamic shift as just being a father and son. Where yeah, like, I was going to ask you about that. I made him kind of like listen to his band in a different with different ears. Yeah, you wow. know, because now I'm playing with my background in playing in you know metal bands in high school and yeah. stuff, and now I'm playing you know songs like Rosalita yeah, and, and whatever totally. you know. And so it's like it's making him listen to 
to what he's been playing for years and kind of recalibrate and re- rethink it. And, and he ended up becoming a much different player. Wow. You know, I've heard him describe how he's, he, you know, after that whole experience of us sharing the stage in a sense, it made him completely retool how he thought about these songs he'd been playing for 30, 40 years. Wow. Um, well, first of all, what a compliment to you. Second of all, what a cool dude he must be to have his son come up, play it differently with your own flavor, and and instead of maybe being grumpy about that or defensive or whatever, yeah. he sort of went back to the woodshed and he yeah, wanted it to his be, mind a little he's bit. He's still yeah. wanting it to be better all these years later too. Yeah, yeah and and to watch that because then you know I knew that that whole experience had kind of like a built-in expiration date. You know, I knew right. that he would come back to the tour and it would go seamless. This was just like a. this is a band-aid for that you know scheduling conflict really um so you know when when he came back and then i would continue to go to their shows and watch and stuff i would watch him like play differently and take risks and play with a little bit more in particular that come to mind when you think about maybe how he plays differently um i I think maybe a lot of like a lot of like the energetic stuff that they would play you know probably earlier on in their career um a song like Radio Nowhere, which is a later song yeah. for them, like that song, Magic, just kind of right? yeah, yeah. That song really kind of spoke to where I kind of came from, just playing in like punk bands and stuff, mm. um, stuff like that. That was a little bit more up tempo, and and really even you know he he'd just take. We go to shows all the time and watch you know after after seeing so many you know Macedon shows together, <laughs> he started to get a feel for like oh I'm gonna do fills that like go way past the one right you know? yeah. And, well, and, yeah let's talk and about that so like he that. he's the one who took you to Ozfest so yeah. are these heavier bands on his radar like what was the impetus for him wanting to take you to see a, a festival like that for sure um, so that was that was an amazing I mean look especially looking back now. Um, you know, a crazy scenario where uh, Slipknot was on tour um, supporting their first album mm-hmm. and they came on the Conan show. Uh, and my dad immediately is like, oh my God, what am I watching? And, and uh, My son will never listen to yeah, that. Yeah, well, he, he, came, he came back home and he was like, I just saw this band. They were on the show. They, he's like, I don't know how to describe this. They, they wear masks. They're loud. They're <laughs> insane. They, he met them there and they were like, hey, you know, if you ever want to come to a show or bring your family, whatever, you know, p- like, please come to, you know, come to a show, whatever. And, uh, and so he told me all about him. I was like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta go. And so, uh, the four of us went to Ozfest and, wow. and met the band, saw them play and it totally cracked my skull wide open with just this whole new sound. Yeah, for um, sure. And more than just the sound. I mean, the, just everything that, uh, that Slipknot is and especially was at that, at that certain time, you know, in the year 2000, 2001 mm. craziness. So, absolutely. um, so that got me just sent down that spiral of trying to search out bands like that because, um, you know, going to a show like that and then I'm looking at the poster and okay, like who's on the poster? Like, okay, there's, um, Slipknot and and system of a down and Ozzy Osbourne. And then I'm finding out about black Sabbath. And then I'm looking at prior 
Ozfest tours. Okay, who's Slayer? Yeah, who's you know Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson, and then who, and then that goes into okay, who's on who's Slayer on tour with? Okay, they're they're gonna be on tour with Lamb of God and Mastodon. Yeah, yeah. and Mastodon. Okay, they're on tour with Converge. Oh, Converge is playing a show with Neurosis, and like right. that's it's, how I'm I, loving this metal uh, family tree. That I you're know doing. it's a family yeah. tree. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> a, that's a great way to get into music. Like we've often like uh, encouraged our listeners to do this, and I even encourage just fans of bands i've been in, and when we get in, into music discussion is if you love this band find out who they're influenced by mm-hmm. and then who they're influenced yeah, by and going. go down that yeah. that road thanksless yeah remember when that remember thanksless i miss it that was huge yeah. for me yeah. I, would, I would look at the back of like a thursday record yeah and get like 10 new favorite bands I like i think i first heard like alkaline trio because they were in like a thursday thanks list yeah. i think that's yeah. where i first heard of like pearl drums right is reading a pearl jam you know, yeah. liner note, right? About exactly. It. Or Tama, you know, like reading in, who they're some... endorsed by and stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, lo, Lars Ulrich plays Tama. What's Tama? Yeah, yeah. You have to seek it out. Yeah. Tama. And I had some weird, like, I had some interesting, um, kind of just chance encounters, like uh, Michael Graves, who sang in the Misfits. Yeah. Mm. Um, he worked at the uh, hockey rink that I played at, and so oh, I. Oh wow! And so I met him. And like playing hockey, and then we got to talking about oh, I was you know I was in this band, the Misfits. I was like, who are the Misfits? Yeah, I was and in then, this band, the Misfits. Yeah, yeah. and then I, and then so then I look up, then <laughs> I'm I look the one up, that replaced Glenn Danzig. Yeah, and then I'm, and then I look up the Misfits, and that like totally changed my life. So it's kind of like weird chance encounters like yeah. that, and and just kind of you know. You should totally get a long sleeve misfit shirt and wear it on and your wear podcast. It at- <laughs> oh, look at that! Oh, and that's the that's that the, was your for the, viewers. the original misfit. You, you went to the show for the viewers at home. Two, I've gone to two of them. Have you? Damn it! Oh my god, dude! It's, With Dave Lombardo on drums. Yeah, oh my dude, god, it's one of the best. Dave Lombardo's shows I've playing ever seen. drums for the Misfits. Yeah, yeah. because it's it's the the original three. Mm-hmm. Um, Doyle, Doyle, and Dan- Danzig Glenn, and Jerry only, but not, but not Robo, not Robo. <laughs> I wish Robo's doing it. Me too. But Lombardo, but look, he's fucking. I'm sure he kills it. it. Destroying. He's got. It. He's got one of the fastest right hands for like eighth note shit that I've seen. Yeah, and he does. He he plays really true to to the songs, but mm-hmm. he also does it totally in his way, which is totally like that speaks to how I've always like. You know, you're coming into a band you're not gonna be a carbon copy of that guy right you know? yeah. it's like and you shouldn't be because that right. guy is that guy and it was right for a reason but now it's you know it, if he's coming into the the misfits and doing it his way it's like that's the only way to be true to the spirit of mm-hmm. the of whatever project it Absolutely. is so, dude, right, it's, of course. it's amazing like that show yeah i saw i saw the vegas no i saw the la show and i saw the new jersey show awesome uh it's unbelievable isn't there another pro- one scheduled? I'm like probably going to go to Chicago to see it. When's yeah. Chicago? Uh, I don't know when it is. I know there's I, another one scheduled. It's so weird they're just doing like these random one-offs. Yeah. It's like, what kind of rooms are they doing? Arenas. Arenas. Yeah, the Forum and then and they're And Center they're selling the tickets? Oh, dude. Oh, yeah, like, it's selling out. Within minutes. Wow. Because, I mean, you know, I know we're well, That's gonna, probably why. Just keeping it exclusive. Yeah, yeah they couldn't do... I don't, I don't know if they could do a full arena. Tour. I, don't think I don't think they would sell an arena in Nashville, Tennessee. Maybe not. I don't know. I would love that. But uh, it's it's just hilarious, like, seeing... Going to a hockey arena, packed. Nobody has their phones because nobody can bring their phones. So everybody's actually watching the show, which I love. Oh, yeah. Didn't oh, they, they do, do the a, anti-phone? Anti-phone uh-huh. thing? I love it, actually. I'm in, I'm in I really full love it. 
support to where of you it. can't bring it in the building. No, you can bring it in the building, Are but they, they the give bags? you like a neoprene sleeve that the only, you put it in a sleeve, yeah. and then you can put that in your pocket or your bag. But the only way you can access it it's after that lobby. is to leave. Yeah, Jack White's doing it. It's a clear bag, so you can see if like your wife calls you. Everyone, oh, okay. That's what everyone's big complaint is like, what if my family needs me? If there's an emergency, like or no something. one ever went to shows. Don't go before. to the fucking show. Like yeah. fuck people, your family. People been going to. Sh- people been going to. <laughs> You're fucking... going to see the misfits. Uh, this <laughs> is so refreshing to hear. Yeah. You'll see him at the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. It's like, and people are trying to shit on Jack White or Mayor James Keenan. Mayor James Keenan's been doing a. Uh, I don't know, where do you stand on Tool, Perfect Circle? Are you into that at all? Are you Danny yeah. Carey fan? Yeah, absolutely. They're doing a, a, uh, um, a no, uh, if they catch you with the phone, you're out. Yeah. No exemptions. <clears throat> Immediate yeah. ejection. Yeah. I don't, I don't really, I don't know, I mean, that's pretty far, but for me, going to the first, the first time I ever experienced that was at the forum to go see Discharge, Alkaline Trio, and the misfits mm. and Damn. i walked in and you know i put my phone in this neoprene sleeve it's all black so you can't see oh, anything. you couldn't see it. no you couldn't see anything but um but i love the idea of like talking to your friends before you know before i had a cell phone and i was going to shows it's like all right like see you at the snack bar after the yeah, band exactly. plays <laughs> you know and i love that vibe and then and then you get like i think it's also kind of like you know, like the lizard brain mentality of like, we are all watching one thing yeah. and nobody's like distracted or right, like, yeah. you know, looking through their phone or looking down at their phone. It's like this psychological thing of where everybody is turned. It's like when you're watching a movie and everybody's like, you feel all safe. It's like, ha, ah, nobody's yeah. going to, nobody's going to kill me because we're all happy and we're all smiling and looking <laughs> at the same thing. Right. You know, it's like, it, dude, it was just the greatest vibe at that forum show. That's awesome. And, and seeing, going to a hockey arena and seeing, a band like I, they were so good but play like minute and a half songs yeah, yeah, oh yeah their songs are just short, like, so short and just be like yeah this is the misfits and this is a misfits show it's yeah. like a 75 they, song set list and it's like half just like <laughs> feedback and sounds like <laughs> oh yeah but i was just like this is a this is a sold out hockey arena and yeah. This is incredible. I, I loved it, man. How's That's Glenn, awesome. how's Glenn sounding? I mean, amazing. Is it cool? I mean, amazing. Is it See, good? I've watched some videos. Though, there some videos people did somehow, you know, sneak a phone or do something. I've seen yeah. some leaked stuff. I saw people burning their the the case with I like, need my phone with now. Like lighters. They, at the end of the show, they were like burning the the cases and then breaking their phones out and taping. Oh my like, See, I'll accept that because yeah. that's so badass i mean at least you're committing to something like with, i'll take you're using that. fire to get your phone back yeah but i saw some stuff and like he sounded great i was it's you awesome. know the, i mean the, uh prior to that when we when we were you know watching a lot of the metallica 30th anniversary show stuff when he got on stage it was not the greatest uh, you know well he was just kind of running around a lot he's out of breath because he was it's like just st- you know do the whole mother thing and yeah. stay there yeah he, i mean it, what i saw man he has he sounded but he has such point. a presence too that in some ways, his vocal fidelity isn't really what's the most important thing. And the, like, the three of them, you know. too, you know, him and Doyle and Jerry, it's just like, dude, seeing... I got, like... I felt what people must have felt during, like, Beatlemania. Right, I was yeah. just like, holy shit, that's the misfits yeah, on stage. Yeah, watching all like, three of those guys. Yeah, like, the, that kind of moment where you're like, wow, they're nowhere else in the world but right there. They're in like, front of me. That was so <laughs> sick to see them do that, and then they bust into, like, Death Comes Ripping. I was just like, this is insane. Oh, my gosh. Um, that's so rad. I was in the middle of the pit for the forum show. Yeah. It was great. It's yeah. what's cool about that when you're having that moment, like, this is insane. Now the inclination is like, 
this is insane. Let me film it so I never yeah. forget it. And, Instead so of- did, and to not have that and like the pit was full on the entire show. Nobody was like, wow, I'm watching the Misfits. It was actually everybody going full tilt the whole time. I loved it. Yeah, oh, that's great. Man. I yeah. wish every show was like that. Like I might take a photo or two at a show during like a song. I won't film forever. I'll just like yeah. click, click, click back in my pocket. I'm, yeah, you know? I mean, I do the same thing because I like to have that snapshot or maybe a video from right. you know part of a song or something like that. But but I don't want to watch a show through a screen. And if no, and, and if somebody some other guy's gonna do it <laughs> for it's, me. It's gonna know? be on like, YouTube gonna, a thousand well, times yeah, anyways. So you it's know? like I told yeah. people they like with Metallica, I'm like, you know, Ross Halfin's probably here taking right. amazing photos of yeah. the night yeah. and you can find them. But my iPhone photo will be so much better. That you're gonna put on Facebook and no yeah. one's gonna care. No, yeah. no one cares. Uh I, I tour and play for a country artist here in town and uh I you guys must see it a lot, but just watching people watch the whole show through their phones, it's so mm-hmm. it's such a fucking bummer. I saw it yeah. a ton when I was out with Kings. I mean, you just look out in the crowd and you just see people like they're literally like the whole show. Yeah. Hour and a half set or whatever with the, their fucking phone right in front of their eyes and they're just like staring well, at it's it. It's hard to not be like a get off my lawn vibe about it, but I do think they're going to have a better experience without it yeah. because of exactly what you were talking about. I, yeah. you know, I, I can't knock any one way somebody wants to experience a show. If that's, if that's what you want to do and that's how you have a good time, I'm not going to knock it. But for me, I want to take it all in and I don't want to waste a moment that, you know, is not going to be duplicated. I'm not right. going to, what am I going to do? Like look at it on my phone and be so stoked. Like, wow, this really shitty version of this right. show is on my phone and, yeah cool and i wasn't really there i was kind of half in it i was more kind of balancing my phone in my hand i'm just not i don't know i, I it's not for me but but again i, I can't speak to if, if people want to experience the show that way that's fine um yeah but but i loved when nobody had their phones oh that's that gotta be such a great feeling great. Yeah. i mean that reminds me of like you know wait like way before iphones even you know me having a cell phone like in the 90s going to shows and like now to, you know i i can remember more about shows pre-cell phone than i can with shows i've had since i've had an iphone mm-hmm. like when i saw rangers against the machine on the evil empire album release show wow. i remember so many details about that yeah, show absolutely because i didn't have anything distracting P- people me. people right. just forget that they just forget what it was like to be present yeah when you're present you soak it in and you remember it yeah so you're absolutely. more reasonable than me and you're nicer than me i want to <laughs> i do i I don't care how you enjoy the fucking show. <laughs> put it up, put it away. Whoever the guy was that made the rule at that Misfit show, I want to be that guy. Yeah. I want to give that guy a Nobel Prize. Yeah. yeah. Can I? Is it's that possible? His name's Glenn Danzig. <laughs> you think it was Glenn? You think that was like all top down? It was probably a band decision or maybe his decision like, hey, we don't want phones at this thing because it's such a big deal. People have been wanting, it's basically Jerry and Glenn. They want them to get back together so bad and have for years. Mm. It made it special, man. Like yeah. I, I was searching for videos from their first couple shows. I hardly found anything. Yeah, it was at those like Riot Fest shows. So you can't really do it there, right? So, but like I didn't see anything about the show. And then when I finally was at the show, I was I was dreaming of what it would be like yeah. to see that for my whole life. See, that's another thing too. You got a band like the Misfits or maybe Tool a band that's kind of shrouded in mystery a little bit. I think Slipknot's probably involved in that a little bit. It, yeah, when you kind of see the set list every night, and you know, like, if they've got, oh, they have new masks or whatever it is. Yeah. It takes it all out of it when you've watched it all, a shitty version of it on YouTube. Right, yeah. Yeah, and there's there are some bands that it's just like, um, there's just no medium that's going to translate 
anything of what mm. the power of what their show is going to be right. like. Oh yeah, um, right. Some bands get closer than than some others, but there are really some that are just on some other level where it's just like I'm not uh, like having having their records and maybe a live recording or or whatever. It kind of gets it. But like for me, I mean, like my favorite band in the world is Neurosis, and and so it's like there's nothing that can touch actually seeing them in the same room, mm-hmm. and like I I, I can't uh, being a fan of a band like that. It's just like there's no way a phone video is gonna do like any right, yeah. justice. So it's like why why the fuck even bother? Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, I I feel I mean I've seen Slipknot one time, um, 2000. It was in Australia at the Soundway Festival, but. It was, I think 2011 or something, but um, they're a band. That I I feel like yeah, you could watch a video on your phone or live footage and stuff, and it's cool and it sounds decent or whatever. But seeing that show live was like, oh my god! Like you have to be there, you have to to fully experience what Slipknot is and yeah. the production. I mean, where everyone is on stage, it's just it's a it's I an insane it's a big, show. I think it's a big part of their success. Yeah, and what's magnetizing about it. And I think one interesting thing about your story that I didn't know. Is that you were a massive Slipknot fan for a long time? Yeah. So you go to the Ozfest show, you get hooked. They turn you on to other shit too, but you ended up going to so many shows that you kind of started to know the band a little bit. Like, how did all that? Yeah, and they toured so frequently that that you know, I would I would see them at least once a year. It felt like. So you uh, see that Ozfest show, and you're a fan. You're buying the whatever their record is. Yeah, they're on your radar. Yeah, well, my mom wouldn't let me buy their record. Ever. Really? <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a. Um, I remember my dad, we were, I was out in like LA or something, um, on a family vacation and my dad, I was like, I was like, dad, I really want that Slipknot record. And he like finally caved and like, like we pulled into tower records on sunset and just went in and got it and, uh, gave it to me. And then I had like my little disc man <laughs> with my like headphones and I'm just like in the back seat listening to that record, uh, shortly before Iowa came out. Yeah. Um, so uh yeah so i no i i became a huge fan immediately of course and uh and then um would would see them every chance i could um saw them once supporting the first record saw them once supporting iowa um on halloween night Mm. where i had actually dressed up like Corey uh when i was 11 oh wow um and uh, went to a show. They played in New Jersey that night, Halloween night, 2000, 2001. Um, you so, know, and that was Iowa? I mean, think about that time in our, in our country's history. Like, right. October, late October 2001. Oh, and up there, and too. A oh, like, and a band yeah. like Slipknot playing on the Pledge of Allegiance tour, singing People Equal Shit. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, insane for Insane. For an 11-year-old taking that in. Like, what kind of rooms were they doing on the Iowa tour? Arenas. Hockey arenas. arenas. Yeah, they played uh, Continental Airlines Arena, where we'd go watch the Devils play. Okay. Um and so, um, you know, saw them there and, and got to meet most of the guys. And um, I actually have a really great photo of myself with the guys. And I'm in my, like, Corey costume. No way. It's got to be so right surreal. Next to Corey. That was great. And um, and then, you know, I get into high school and saw them uh, a lot, actually, when they had the Subliminal Verses out. I think I went to, like, like four or five shows on that tour. And um, Was that because see, they toured so much or because you were... Because then I... Were you traveling to then see I, them? Yeah, well, then, then like seeing one show wouldn't do it for me. So I'm going to see them in New Jersey and Philadelphia. Yeah. You yeah. know, or I'm going to... And then I'm going to see them when they come back and play Atlantic City. And then I'm going to, you know, this and that. So, um, so yeah, I, I kind of became a little bit more mobile, a little bit more able to like 
just really throw myself into kind of studying that, you know, and um, was learning more about bands that they would be on tour with, Lamb of God and Shadows Fall and stuff like that. Um, but so, uh, yeah, they, they, for all intents and purposes, they saw me grow up from being a, a child, you know, and, um, you know, I've, I've known the guys, uh, now at this point, I've known them for about 18 years. Well, and this was all um, due to the intro from your dad, essentially, right? Exactly. Like your yeah. dad seeing them sound check at Conan. Mm-hmm. And taking you to that so when you were show. able to go to a show, you were able to say hi to him at least. Yeah, yeah, I met them the first time I'd ever seen them. My whole family did. My mom did. My sister did. Right. Uh, Hello, and we Mr. Clown Mask Guy. Yeah, well, we met. We had, it's funny because because uh, Clown's son, um, who also uh, has worked with the band, um, I met him when he was six. I mean, I was like nine years old, and I think he was yeah. six, mm. uh, and he was on that tour. So I met. We got to meet them, and my mom got to like. She kind of like was afraid of it but was also like oh okay these guys like they have families they're not like they're normal monsters they're fine. They're not yeah yeah so um so she was like okay i can i can get behind this and it's art and it's you know it's theatrical it's intense it's but it's all like you know she gets it she got music like she and my dad are musical people and they met through music and and all that so it's just like they got it and and having their support of me you know exploring that for myself was huge but um but yeah so they saw me grow up every now and then i'd be a little bit more like i'd probably you know i'd i'd have like a i don't know like a system of a down shirt when i was like 11 and then you know when i'm 15 i have like a venom shirt on you know and they see me kind of like exploring and getting my hands dirty with Mm. learning about bands and um where did we just and and we're going to camp out much later in this world but where did Metallica fall in for some of this with you? Yeah, um, Metallica was huge in uh, my exploration of, of heavy music, and especially, you know, probably being turned on to the Black Album first, just because, you know, the huge songs that are on it. Um, right. That uh, that probably came a little bit after Slipknot had come into my life. Um, but when I was 13... Uh, I went to my first Metallica show uh, playing at Continental Airlines Arena. It was them and Godsmack, I think. I think we got there after Godsmack had played. Um, or no, we got there We got there before the show. Um, but I believe my dad had like... I think he knew the guys or something like that. I, I don't know exactly how they met, but like he knew Lars. This is like, oh, this was around St. Anger. Oh, yeah, it was a St. Anger tour. Okay. And um, St. Anger was out already. and uh, Which Slipknot actually did a leg of that tour. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so, so we go like backstage before the show and I know I'm, I have like a topical knowledge of Metallica. I, have, I wasn't like totally well versed in like everything. I kind of mm. knew the hits, but didn't know much else. Um, but, it was right before I like thought about, I was like thinking about playing drums. Like I had tried guitar, didn't really like it. Tried bass, didn't really like it. And then I was thinking about like, Oh, maybe I'll play drums. Cause we have drums in the basement and, and whatever. So, uh, so we're like talking to, excuse me, talking to Lars and, um, and my dad, I think, told him, like, yeah, you know, this is my son, and uh, and he's thinking about uh, playing drums. Like, he's talking about he wants to start playing drums, and Lars is like, oh, really? And uh, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I kind of, like, you know, I like bands like Slipknot, and I like bands like you guys, and and I think I want to start playing drums. And uh, and he's like, okay, well, cool. And so he wrote on this, he took a drum head and wrote on this uh, drum head that I still have that says, uh, 
he said like 2J one day all of this will be yours that's what he said <laughs> and then he signed it like Lars Metallica 2004 that oh that's pretty cool. funny that's, that's awesome that's cool you still have it too I do yeah and um and, but I was like I told him I was like kind of thinking about starting to play drums right you know? yeah um but so man they god that show really was huge for me they were playing in the round I'd never seen anything like that mm. um they opened with Blackened holy oh, shit which uh that like blew my i'd never heard blacken before yeah. and then i'm like watching it i'm just like oh my it, i mean that informed a lot of where my kind of like metallica tastes lie um but yeah so so that was that was a huge show for me seeing seeing that and i think everybody's like first metallica show is pretty monumental um just because sure. of just because of the way it like the way it hits you there's such a even to this day like i still see metallica and i'm just like nobody does it like that it's just there's there's a certain way about them and certain bands have this Mm -hmm. where they really are the only band that can do exactly that you know yeah you're absolutely right yeah um but so yeah metallica kind of came into my picture around like 13 ish i got into um uh, you know, newer bands. Um, Were they the ones that, that got you into Venom? I mean, you talked about going back to a Slipknot show and one year it's System of a Down, one year it's old, you know, 70s new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah, I got into Venom probably from like, probably from like finding out about Slayer and yeah. then figuring out like just different like satanic metal bands. Right. <laughs> like, Merciful you know, Fate. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just love like, venom and the fact that they were kind of like a shitty punk band in a way and they were like this <laughs> like true. but it's like kind of campy and halloweenish and like i like that yeah. <laughs> um yeah i was totally into all that and and you know saw a shirt in a store on st mark street and i was like that looks cool and so yeah so were you like the kid on the front rail at a slipknot show Is oh that, yeah absolutely. so they, they they knew you were there <laughs> yeah they've seen me get beat up on the on the front lines uh, for many shows. Um, Slipknot shows, it's sure. so interesting that you're on both sides of it now, but Slipknot shows are intense. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, um, they're intense on stage too, though. On the deck, it's pretty... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I it can get kind of weird. More, I venture to say it's more dangerous on stage than off stage. Right. Um, I, mean, I mean, even just like clips you've, you've posted like on social media, like just with like a GoPro behind you or whatever, mm-hmm. just camera feeds I guess you guys use. Yeah. I mean, even just watching you play drums like with this band, I mean, I feel sore watching it. I'm like, oh. yeah, me too. <laughs> Literally, uh, yeah, it, it's a very demanding, physically, energetically, emotionally, yeah. spiritually, you know, uh, mentally, all of it. It's like it's the most intense um, music and stage I've ever experienced. Studio experience, all of it. It's the most intense on every level. Um, it's that but, intense in the studio too. Uh, yeah, it's pretty full tilt. Like wow. we. Um, yeah, when we're when we're in a creative mode, it is still way the fuck on. You know, mm. it's like there's really there's really no in between with Slipknot. It's either completely off. Or it's cool it's to hear that, that it's not a total like no. stage gimmick or something. That it's kind of a no. kind of a um, yeah, that's like a real Fucking facet of the band's existence. Not at all. Yeah. yeah, it's thirteen hours a day, every day, no days off. Wow. You know, it's like it's intense, and and that you know. It's it's tough, but it but it yields great results. We yeah. feel you know we feel like we um, when we really tap into that and kind of go beyond our comfort levels. I suppose um, you know having I've been in the band now five years, mm. um, having done uh, one album that was really like just getting up to speed and just kind of like I mean I 
I met up with the guys and played about twenty something songs of their back catalog, and then the next day we were working on our. Let, let's talk about that. So sure. uh, yeah, you you've shared a bit of this with me, and it's a, it's a really cool story about you you kind of meeting up with those dudes. Yeah. So you're growing up as a fan. They know of you. You're playing drums. You're getting better. You played some with your dad. Yep. You got to play some of the biggest stages in the world. Yeah. How do you get to a place where? What are you doing at the time that you get a call to go play with them? What's going on with you? How'd you get there? I was back uh, at school. I went back to I went back to college. Um, came off tour. Just wanted to finish up my degree, which I've been kind of like chipping away at over a couple years. In between giant stadiums performance. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, it was in against me for a couple years, and then um, went back to school finished and then the day i pretty much finished or submitted my last thing that i had to do for for school i coincidentally got a call from um from a manager who had worked with against me for a little bit um and i knew him as as slipknot's manager and he contacted me curious if if i if i was up to anything if i was in a band i'm like i'm in like 10 bands right now but nothing i'm really like touring with or or really uh being that active with and um and he had asked if I if I would be available to come out and uh, audition for a project that he couldn't tell me what it was going to be, but um, to just kind of trust him and get out there and and play the drums, and um, and I just kind of accepted on the spot, like sure, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, and yeah, then that that turned out to be Slipknot, and um, we we got into a room, there was a drum set, played through. Uh, like 20 or so songs of their back catalog that I had truthfully, like I had never, I had not played along to that kind of stuff since I was like 14 trying to learn how to play the drums. But you kind of had it all in you. Yeah. Like muscle memory, you know, as, as drummers pretty much do like you play, you play one song when you're like 13, you kind of remember it. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, so, so we did that for, for one day. And then, um, well, what were then, you, what would you, what would you think? Like, at what point of getting to LA did you know it was going to be Slipknot? When I walked in the door, they so you walked in and you see Corey or whoever you know from the band. Did you? I mean, that must have been really weird. Um, it it was kind of you know it was kind of put to me like, you know, not by anybody in the band, but it was like you know what this is for, right? And I was like, is this for Slipknot? And they would go, yeah, we'll bring the guys in in like twenty minutes, and you know, set up your kit hurry up <laughs> kind of like, oh, and uh because you're also you got to be a like a joey fan at this point too so that's got to be weird conflicting at some point too of like if you you know if, if you know fleetwood mac who are touring with mike campbell now we're having me come in it's like oh but mike's out what's can we talk about what's going on with mike what's going on with mike yeah. well you know like well it was a lot of i mean of, of course i'm i'm such a you know uh I'd enjoyed Joey's playing um, since I was really young, you know, since I was nine, ten years old. Uh, but in a moment like that, when that like something is kind of that um, that serious, or uh, you know, the the vibe is kind of with a lot of momentum towards the future, and like this the very surreal kind of moment yeah. for me as as a as a fan of the band, as someone who's loved the band for a long time, kind of just like that that weird feeling of just like, okay, this is my like objective to get right to the, you know, for whatever this day is going to be, you know, if I can, um, 
just be present enough to enjoy playing a bunch of Slipknot songs with yeah. Slipknot. Like that was really all that day was going to be for me. Like that's really all that kind of felt like at the, in the moment. Was yeah. Just you didn't like, bother looking to the next day or anything. You're just like, this no. is a great experience, a great opportunity right here. And- no. Or the fact, or the fact that, you know, like, okay, they're starting a process of, of speaking to drummers, I suppose, but yeah. I don't know what their plan is. Maybe they'll talk to, you know, hundred different guys and right. whatever. Yeah, I was yeah, just like, I'm not going to take this. I'm right. not going to take this with any kind of, um, idea or concept that this will be anything beyond this day. So just be here for this day and enjoy this. Yeah. And, uh, and that's really all that was, you know, for real, it was just kind of like, I'm just going to have fun with this. And, um, an interview it, I read with you for with modern drummer preparing for this. I thought it was interesting. One of the dudes came up to you and was like, I guess referencing maybe the other drummer, you know, needing to leave or whatever, and was like, this is one of the worst days of my life, but we're here to do a thing. And that once you started to play with the band, it started to turn the mood around and it did start to become fun. And then they were maybe trying to test you with like, what else do you want to play? And you were maybe throwing deep cuts at them. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how it, it kind of happened and, and how it felt. Um, right. That must have been fun for you to be able to pull that out. And surprise them and inspire them to maybe play an old B side or something or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, for sure. And and knowing, you know, the, there were songs from the band's catalog that I had never seen them play live and right. be like, hey, can we play like prosthetics? I've never seen you guys play that. <laughs> you that know? might be one way for me to get Metallica to play Fixer is if I'm ever auditioning for the that's band. That's right, exactly. Right. Um, <laughs> so stuff like that. Yeah, that's exactly what had happened. And, and the, the vibe immediately started to feel um like that like like holy shit like okay that song felt good you know any others and we just just knocked them right down it would have been you know i've said before that it's like it would have been rough but i think we could have played a show together that night wow and, um wow. and that's just from really being a fan yeah. and and really enjoying what the band had had meant to me up until that point and then of course it become you know it would mean a lot more to me in the in the last five years but um but yeah, I kind of, I kind of was able to, cause I've, I've been in, you know, situations coming in, um, to existing projects like the E Street Band, like Madball, like Against Me, where really I'm just kind of like, um, this is a band in a pinch or in a situation and they need to have somebody come in and deliver on what they're doing. I know this band. I know what they're about. I'm a fan. I'm into the music. I know the spirit of the band. And I just got to have that show through and and hope that it does in, in some way. And, and that was kind of my like one thing that I was like, if there's anything that could maybe get pique their interest, um, you know, besides my playing is that it's just like, if I just get across the vibe that I know what this band is about, then perhaps that would lead to us doing some more stuff or whatever. Now right, I didn't, yeah. I didn't think that that would lead to like, okay, let's start working on a new record tomorrow. But that's what happened. Yeah. So you went, you went from like having that one day where you're just trying to enjoy it. Like I'm not going to look, you know, get into the future at all. Um, to you're working on songs for a new record the next day. Yeah. The, the very next day. They really were yeah. throwing your ass in the fire. Yeah, completely. You know? And I think, you know, and, and I, I respect that because, um, I, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine that a band, that's this serious, that's this intense, that takes what it does as seriously as Slipknot does, I think the person that they would want to play with would be the type of person who you could throw completely in the fire Mm -hmm. and they'd make it through. I think, I don't think they would want anything less than that. And I don't think a band like Slipknot deserves anything less. So 
excuse me, knowing that that that's the kind of level and caliber of like musicianship. Cause these are the best musicians I've ever played with in my life. Um, you know, knowing they're that caliber of seriousness about their art and about their music. I knew I had to meet it that way. And I knew that they were not going to pull any punches. I knew that they weren't going to, it wasn't going to be easy. It never has been. It's never been comfortable. Um, but, uh, I know that, especially early in my playing with the band, it was going to be like, let's throw the book at this person and see if he survives. Cause right. if he can survive this, 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 and this, maybe he's our guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow. you had a lot of recording experience. Yeah. Here and there. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, they were like at this point, a Grammy award winning mm-hmm. nominated, were you ready to go make that kind of record at that level? I had no idea what a record on that level was going to be like. I, yeah. you know, I had done recordings, uh, recorded one album with Madball, um, recorded a seven inch with Against Me, and and a couple uh, songs that was that was going to be like a full length. Um, and, and, then, tra- and then uh, and then other Sorry. and then other you know projects that I've had little recording things, but really, truthfully, like that's pretty much my recording studio experience everything else has been kind of on stage so i had no concept of what it was going to be like to to make slipknot's fifth album um so yeah that was an entire was it travis barker's studio uh well we we or some pre-pros there maybe yeah we did some uh some like pre-pro a couple days like two or three days um doing that there but then um uh, three of us were in a studio called Sound Factory for about like a month and a half or like two months or something like that, uh, pre-proing a lot of stuff that uh, Jim Root had uh, had written. Um, great, pretty fully fleshed out ideas of, of songs. And, um, and so I was basically like, it was kind of like one a day or two a day, you know, like go in and learn the song in the morning. I'd, I'd eat my breakfast with my headphones on and listen to a song like five times yeah. and then spend all day just playing it and coming up with ideas, maybe different, different rhythmic kind of ideas that might send a song in any kind of different direction. Um, and that, that built some, you know, a collection of like 18 or so demos that we would then take to, uh, recording the album and, and building it out that way. But, um, but yeah, that whole process took a while. It was like somewhere between five and seven months, something like that. Um, you know, from start to finish. Crazy. Yeah, I miss that too. I miss when when people took time to make records. Yeah, yeah, it was a thorough process. A lot of guys too. I mean, nine nine musicians in the band. That's a lot of. How uh, does that work? I mean, I've been curious about that. Such a huge band, so many different personalities. Who are the primary songwriters? Really is kind of like, as far as I've, you know, been playing with the band, it kind of comes from any different direction, you know? Um, okay, pretty diplomatic. Yeah, uh, all ideas are, are, are fair game. And, and we've been fortunate, you know, for the uh, the last couple of years where we have like a mobile studio. Um, so we have, a, a you know, I have like a V drum set that's hooked up into Pro Tools and kind of write the entire time and, and just document little ideas here and there. You mean like in a green room or something? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, that's cool. Um, yeah. So, so everybody kind of contributes ideas with that. And, um, you know, a lot of it starts with like a guitar riff or, or a sequence of guitar riffs. And then we kind of build out from there and that could 
you know, that could come from Jim, that can come from Clown, that could come from uh, Chris Fain, that can come from a, a lot of different guys in the band. Everybody's wow. very creative in the That's band. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty, it, it is awesome to have been a fan of the band's output and I've mm-hmm. listened to what is at the very bottom of that funnel, you know, as we all have listening to those, the, the first four Slipknot albums, but then... um to then be on the other side of it and seeing how it comes together and how, um, how ruthless the band is on, on its own material. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like no, no punches are pulled. No stone is left unturned. It's very thorough. Uh, working with Greg Fiddleman was an amazing experience hey, hey, hey. on the great hey, chapter. Boy, we know that um, name. Yeah. We've, we have sung his praises like crazy on the show. Yeah. I, I consider uh, him sort of the new Bob rock for Metallica. Now, for you guys, you know, I know they've done a record with Rick. Yeah, which was also uh, a lot with Greg. Did Greg, he engineered uh-huh. it too? Yeah, yeah. So he was very heavy-handed from what I've understood in, in the Subliminal Versus album, which is a great album. Yep. Um, so really, my first time ever working with a like producer-producer um, was with Greg, and he... Uh, he has a great way of just harnessing um, anyone's strengths and abilities and stuff and just like pushing it to the nth degree. And, uh, and to do that with nine guys, you know, in a, in a band that's... Yeah. So what's the process like? Does it start with you? Does it start with you to scratch guitars or something? The, or? the last record was, um, you know, yeah, the, drum, the, the drums were like the bedrock of, of kind of like, let's get this kind of solidified and then and then once we get going we'd kind of revisit other songs like we do you know we do like three songs and then and then uh or maybe say five songs and then we'd be like oh let's read let's address the first two that we did because you're kind of on a roll now doing some more interesting stuff yeah, like recutting before. the drums or overdubs yeah or... yeah or like now we've listened to this and it's like okay this could be we could try this a little faster or we could try this a little slower or whatever um do you guys record like do a click we had a lot of the gray chapter we recorded to a click. Some of it wasn't, but, um, uh, but yeah, it's really kind of all over the place. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no really set rule of click or no click. We don't play to a click live. Um, so there's th- that, there's no rule of how a song will start coming together. You know, a lot of something, well, not a lot the some things on, on the gray chapter, um, we took from the demo sessions because we like it had such a vibe, such like a I'm not focusing on this kind of vibe, so it's just got this like looseness that was and the really sounds great. were good enough to keep for a yeah, master. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, that's so, cool. so yeah, that's um, so having a real like you know going from hardly any studio experience to um having like pro sounding demos that are yeah. better than most bands' full fucking records. Right? Yeah, totally. Um, you know that that was an amazing experience, and it's just so thorough. That's one thing about uh, Slipknot's uh, work ethic with Greg Fiddleman's work ethic mm-hmm. is that it is so thorough and and so complete. Um, you really, really like at the end of creating a song or a, a collection of songs or whatever. It's like, man, I know every single inch of this of, yeah, of this sure. song. It's 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 really a remarkable thing to. Um, to be in a creative environment with guys like that who are so pro and so in tune with it, it's it's an honor to to be able to contribute in any way. And um, 
and yeah, to be, you know, to, to be allowed kind of free reign to do whatever. Cause you know, Slipknot's got a, it's a, it's a wild animal that really has no leash. And so to, um, you know, to, to not feel like I have to reserve myself or, um, restrict my playing in any way and just kind of go to the wall. Cause I'm encouraged to do that by the other guys. That's great. I mean, we, we recorded the last record and I had a bunch of guys in the room just like going crazy, you know, in, yeah. in the live room, uh, just to get the vibe of, I hadn't played a show with them yet. So it was kind of like creating sort yeah. of what would be that the vibe energy of the live show on stage. Yeah. yeah which is just like, it you, is cool. Cause they, they really could have, after achieving everything they'd achieved by that point, cause this is 2014, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe late 2013. Uh, yeah. I joined in December, 2013. Yeah. So they could have, they could have had a guy come in that they just wanted to control and mm-hmm. clamp down and be status quo slipknot i guess it's pretty cool that they trusted you they wanted you to really do your own thing they were encouraging you to take chances and push yourself yeah well i i wouldn't you know the words slipknot and status quo are almost kind of like contradictory right. you know because so much of the band is uh the great part about the band is being able to uh like do stuff that's surprising for right. Slipknot, but it still makes sense within the context of the band. Cause everybody in the band has such varied eclectic musical tastes that really anything is free game. And as long as it has that certain quality, it can be a Slipknot song. What's some and, of the, what's some of the weirdest stuff you guys like? What would be a surprising thing for a Jay Warburg fan to hear that you like, or something oh, that man. any of those dudes like? I don't know about if it'd be surprising, but maybe unlikely choices, like you wouldn't know that we any Madonna like, fans, Ray White, Karen, Karen Carpenter. Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, we listen. We, uh, some of us listen to like Sia Furler. Really big fans of her. Um, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't be that far off the mark hearing the cart like the carpenter, right, yeah. carpenter backstage at a, at a show. You know, people like David Bowie, was actually, Prince, yeah. that kind of stuff. People you know, like she like, was inspired by. Uh, Dancing Queen or from Abba, right? Exactly, right? right yeah, um, that, that is that, that is the case of oftentimes with a band uh, like a Slipknot or Metallica, whoever is it. I think average fans probably think, oh, they just listen to metal all the time because I listen to metal all the time, right. you know. Like, but it is it is fun to like find out when you're when, when bands you look up to, especially in the metal genre, are listening to stuff that's not even close to heavy metal music. Yeah, well, and you know, I think it's. I think it's important for any band that's going to be listenable is that you've got to, uh, you can't be so narrowly defined. You right. can't just, you can't be a metal band that just listens to metal or you're going to be just like, you know, yeah, there, there is a thing, uh, maybe bands starting out or whatever, you're kind of a little bit derivative, I suppose, or you're yeah. kind of, you know, you're, you're imitating in a sense your influences, even if you're not trying to or whatever. Right, exactly. But if you, if you listen to everything from, you know, Karen Carpenter to Cannibal Corpse, mm-hmm. you might create something that's kind of fucking yeah, interesting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you there's, know, there's, like there's, it, it, it might it might um, take on a new character that that it wouldn't have if you only listened to Metallica and Slayer and Megadeth and Anthrax. You know, right, it's yeah. like uh, you'd probably know your thrash, but yeah, right. Um, but to create something that at least I think a band like Slipknot would consider interesting, it's like you got to go from you got to. Um, draw from everything and and create something that's um, you know just try to be original try to create mm-hmm. an original sound and luckily with nine very different people who have very different tastes in music yeah um, but really works together really well you know two 
two guitar players, a bass player, two percussionists, a drummer, a vocalist, a DJ, a sampler, yeah. uh, you know, it's bass crazy. player. It's just like, it's, there's a lot there. And, yeah. and, uh, with those distinct personalities, like, um, growing up, Jim and Mick were one of my favorite guitar duos because you have two very different players who just work so seamlessly together. Yeah, that's cool. And, um, and that's so interesting to me. And that I think when you, when you have, uh, players like that and people who who have uh, distinct and interesting musical tastes like guys like that like everybody in this band does yeah. the product of that can be pretty wild yeah totally yeah. it so. is cool to hear that it's not like just the Corey Taylor show right which I think he's great I love him and I, I think Stone Sour is cool and anytime he's doing an interview with someone I'm listening to it because he's a an interesting cat yeah he is it is cool to hear that it's not that the nine dudes seem to bring the same amount of heat you know it's really I I had a great time with the last record watching it all come together and then hearing it back when all nine guys were on it. I was just like, God damn, that is what Slipknot sounds like. And and it's, it's great. It's, it's, um, you know, to, uh, to be able to, uh, be a fly on the wall in, in my kind of first, you know, little chunk of time playing, playing with the band and figuring out my place sonically and, and um, just as a person, you know, being kind of thrust into this new situation, um, you know, to to really just kind of shut the fuck up and learn, you yeah. know, and yeah. and, and, um, and it's, it's always been such a great learning experience with these guys. And um, we've only gotten, you know, now that we're 200 shows behind us together, um, I feel that much more integrated in the band. I feel that much more, uh, I wouldn't say comfortable, but just confident and just, you know, doing my thing and that we do a good thing together. I think some of our last shows together were my favorite shows. We haven't played in in about uh, two years um, live, but, um, you know, we were doing some really interesting things. We were doing, we did a show where we played one entire record um, that the band had never done in its career um doing cool stuff like that so I'm, I'm really excited for what the future holds and the fact that it can only get more creative now that we're just like this much in tune with each other Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, yeah man that's cool when you guys just announced the tour for next summer mm-hmm. and it's all it's all europe uk right or uh europe? yes uh we announced a tour that's a lot of uh festivals in yeah. europe and uk yeah, yeah download just, and yeah that'll is be, it different that'll for you fun. guys playing a festival versus your own headlining arena thing or do you because your show's intense and do you guys adjust anything for that i don't think so i think um we just kind of do our thing and you know the environment doesn't really matter um i mean that said there are some really amazing festivals that are run really really well that have a great vibe Mm -hmm. curated by awesome people and and the people that show up in those places are are totally awesome and that's a whole other factor that is the show is you know the audience and the whole vibe about the place but um for the stage it's pretty consistent where it's just kind of like we it it just is what it is um you know sometimes you have like a space limitation and maybe it's it's smaller that doesn't really affect me because I'm, right, I'm yeah. in the back with just you don't, my, you don't have to play a smaller drum our promoters yeah, ever no. like hey don't set each other on fire at this show yeah i think um I, I think, yeah, f- uh, fire marshals are probably uh, at each show not wanting that to happen. But, I mean, we have fire and yeah. and we are running around like crazy. Yeah, so any, anything can happen. Yeah, right. You know, still. 
Before we jump headfirst into Metalloland, mm-hmm. and we're going to do a, a Metal Madness, which is going to be fun, because yeah. Jay's top favorite Metallic records are Justice for All and Puppets. Catch me on any day. Uh, catch me on a different day, and I might have another answer, but today... I'm pretty, yeah, I'd say Justice is my favorite Metallica record, and Puppets is very close. What, to are, what would be the, if it's a weird day for you, what's the third or fourth one? Are you jumping to reload from there? What, are there any chances of that? No. No? Um, You're staying in the first five, first four? Yeah. Um, I'd say Ride the Lightning. Um and then and then after that it kind of breaks off into just like specific songs from different albums mm-hmm. that I that are just great like um I do like a lot I, I like you know like like uh I disappear I think is a great song. Oh, thank goodness. I love that. Stuff song. like that. Yeah, like stu- stuff like <laughs> that that just, just kind of like jumps around that I that I thought was great. Um you know, stuff off the last two records um especially you know, being being now being close to Greg Fiddleman and and knowing the way that he works and and kind of like hearing hearing certain uh, things in Metallica records that I that now I know about just like working with Greg and and um, I don't well, know I, I I listen to those albums with with knowing what it's like to be in the studio right. like that yeah, yeah for cool. sure well should you see Greg sometime in the future for whatever reason I might you'll have to pass along that. Uh, we're all really big fans of what he's been doing with the boys. He's oh awesome. yeah, we he's love awesome, it. man. Yeah, I, I, I really, I really love his, uh, his whole vibe, his attitude, and his, his work ethic is like unparalleled. It's crazy. Um, we have a thing called Patreon. You know what that is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have people who support the show, and a lot of our patrons are big Slipknot fans. So we put it out to them today. They've got some questions for you. Okay. Is it cool if we dip into a Q and A? I'll do my best to answer, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> They're all about a, um, if you're going to make another record or not with Slipknot. Okay. All 18 of them. Okay, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, okay. Aurelian Moreau asks, to which extent does your drumming has your drumming style changed and or needed to be adjusted in order to fit the Slipknot sound? We've touched on that a little bit. You're still yourself, but you... I read a thing today, maybe you can talk about this, where you talk about how you're doing more of a pocket thing, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Maybe trying to keep it tight. Yeah, well, I've uh, I think if there's one thing that we've always stressed with within the band, and and I I talk a lot with uh, Clown about it. Um, he and I talked a lot about just like philosophy stuff with the band and and where the band has been. And um, so he's an intense know, dude. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I learned a lot just from listening about what what the band needs to be like uh spiritually we're not even talking about like sound or playing or whatever but like what we want to achieve and the and the word that that keeps coming up is just tight just we want to be a tight band yeah you know and and that's um that's the most you know from i believe just being a musician hearing from like your peers or or musicians that you respect if in my experience it's like if you can if if you can have somebody from a band that you really like say that you guys were tight that's everything because that means that your band is doing what it should be doing oh yeah absolutely you know? and um and nobody's the you know uh 
nobody's the ball hog, you know, right. nobody's the, you know, the whatever it's, it's like, it's a team effort, you know, and, and Slipknot's fuck, it's more like a, like a sports team than a band. You literally have no, enough people to play a, a game of baseball. Yeah. It's, it's a physical a full thing. Team. It's a physical thing. We, you know, you really, you really envelop this kind of thing that the band is. It's unlike anything I've experienced, but, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so to be a tight band, that takes a lot of things and it takes being in tune with each other. That takes, you know, just being confident in what you do and not, you know, sidestepping whatever and not being unsure about a certain thing that you're playing and just going for it. Right, so, yeah. um, so achieving that was just like, I wanted to draw on my background of, um, playing tight rock and roll and needing to play tight to, uh, to someone like Bruce Springsteen, um, where, you know, you got to take in that case, it was like a 12 piece band, um, and make everything work together. Yeah. And, um, you know, rock and roll and, and heavy metal always has good rock and roll. In my opinion, has that kind of invisible swing that mm-hmm. you can never, you can't, you know, point out that it swings or whatever, but good heavy metal that really hits you, um, you know, harder than, um, it's not to knock on, you know, bands that play to a metronome or anything, but like, like click track core bands, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it, I, I feel, I feel like when, when a band has that interpersonal swing that you only get when you really take off the leash and just let you do your thing and ebb and flow. And one part is, you know, 12 BPM faster than the part before it, but it feels perfect because that's just what it is. It's musical. It's musical and it's, it's human, it's personal. And so, um, those were all the things that's like, I wanted to, uh, bring to the table for a band like Slipknot that, you know, to me has to have that energy of a train that could completely come off the rails at any time, but doesn't, that's exciting. And that's, uh, that's got the energy that, um, you know, for, for my drumming or for a band that I feel like I would want to watch, um, uh, should have that, you know, you should, you should have that level of excitement that, that like, holy shit, they kept that thing together, you know? And, um, so I wouldn't say that I ever really changed my approach because, you know, playing in energetic punk rock bands and hardcore bands and stuff, that's always kind of the, the, the way it is. Um, uh, playing with a mask is definitely different. That's an adjustment. Or he, um, he also asked that. How hard is it to play Slipknot intense live shows with a mask, he asks. Yeah, it's, it's intense. That's another level of intensity. But uh, honestly, it's weirder playing the songs without it on <laughs> than it is with it. Like uh, in a rehearsal it, or in a studio? Yeah, it's weird to play it in kind of like practice mode. It kind of, yeah. it that just feels strange. When you um, were a kid and you were a fan of Slipknot, I just, I'm thinking of when I was a kid and I was a Kiss fan. In my mind's eye, when they're, recording Detroit Rock City for some reason because I'm a fucking kid they're in their makeup in full makeup yeah and like seven inch platform boots yeah. when you were a kid did you imagine that they were all regaled out when they were making Iowa you want uh, that's a good question I think I probably did well to me it just seemed to come from some other planet so I just thought it just kind of like like the thought of them it just kind of was I didn't yeah. think about them being in a studio I just yeah. thought it, it just kind of was I had it that always too. has been you know but but here's a funny story I don't think I've ever really told many people this, but like, um, so we get to playing these songs, uh, from their back catalog and got through playing, you know, five, six songs, whatever. And we're all kind of sweating now. And, um, and, uh, Jim says to me, he goes, all right, now play, do that with a mask on. And, uh, and we're laughing, whatever. And clown goes to me, he goes, have you played that with a mask on? And I said, yes. 
<laughs> and uh and i think that was a whole thing because it's like yeah fuck it man i'm gonna get a mask at a local halloween store i'm gonna play in my fucking shed to slipknot songs with a mask on and pretend i'm at you know continental airlines arena playing <laughs> that's with slipknot. that's kind of yeah you know fuck it that's what i did that's what we do it's like fanatics of 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 bands it's oh, like absolutely. yeah you want to yeah, of course pretty, yeah you know so uh, and i and i think that was um maybe important I couldn't, I don't want to speak for him, but you know, I think that's, that's an important thing where somebody really, they knew I love this band and, and that I, I would throw myself into it as a listener, uh, in that way that it's like, yes, I have been in an empty shed with a mask on playing along to your albums and they wouldn't you want know. it any other way. Correct. I, bl- cool, I believe one yeah. of the cool things I read today about that was you had another band you were touring with and you wanted to, uh, you had some dates that you were obligated to that you wanted to go fulfill and that you were, I guess you didn't want to bail on that band and that was kind of something they respected about you, but. Oh yeah. Oh, well, it was that, a really was small just, band was, doing like clubs, right? Yeah. That was just a, that was just a scheduling thing that it's like, I, I was invited to come out to LA for this audition that I didn't know anything about. And I was like, well, coincidentally, I'm actually going to LA already. Hesitation wounds. Um, had a couple shows we were playing with like American Nightmare and uh uh Joyce Manor I believe we we're just doing like a weekend trip out in LA like Anaheim in LA play Chain Reaction and uh mm-hmm. the oh, Complex nice. yeah and yeah, so it was, it was one of those things where I was just like you know we were in the studio working on some new Slipknot songs and at that point I couldn't tell anybody what I was doing um oh, wow <laughs> uh so I like I told them, I look literally looking at my watch as we're like working on some demos. I'm like, guys, I'm really sorry, but like, I have these shows that I I need like I need to drive to Anaheim like now to make it by my set time. Yeah. And they're like, cool, man, totally respect that. We get it, you know, it's all right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I swear I'm not bailing, but I told like I got an obligation. I'm really happy to be here. I promise. I swear. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but one of the things I read is that the dude said like, hey. Go play the shows, go have fun, but you're the dude we want. We're not going to ask any other drummers if you're willing to go the distance or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty much like, yeah, if, you know, we're going to demand a lot of you. This is going to take all of you and more, (laughs) but, uh, but if you're up for it, we're up for it. And that's, that's kind of, that was, that was, you know, the start and end of that conversation pretty much. That's cool. Loud Rock asked what it was like being asked to play with Bruce. We already covered that, but I just wanted to mention it. Let's see. Chris Nace, I grew up a big Slipknot fan. What album of theirs was Jay's jumping on point? And did he ever feel pressure from the other guys in the band or put a lot of pressure on himself to totally match every fill on the records? Or was it a more loose situation where they were open to him experimenting, changing things within the framework? So that so what you brought to the Grey Chapter is its own thing, but maybe how you would approach Iowa songs or the other tunes yeah that's that's a good question um it uh well the first part of that question i jumped on with the first album right as iowa was about to come out so i kind of got into slipknot a couple months before iowa came pretty out, exciting time oh yeah yeah that was a that was an electric time in, in the band's yeah trajectory but um no with with respect to the back catalog you know like i i respect that music so much and it meant so much to me. And it's like, it's in my musical DNA. You know, I, I, I can't, I have no idea how to approximate how many times I've listened to all those records. I, I just couldn't, you know, it's part of who I am. <laughs> sure. um, but so there was never a conversation of play this this way or whatever. It was like, 
we would just start out playing the songs and you just count off the song and we'll just play it. Mm-hmm. And then really it was just more, there was more like amorphous kind of like, okay, let's sink into this part or let's, you know, you're kind of like if, if I had a tendency, that's just kind of how I'm hearing some, excuse me, how I'm hearing something and not with the purpose of like, well, when we were kind of like working on this part, this was kind of like, the vibe we were chasing and I was like, Oh, I never listened to that part in that kind of way or, or whatever. Um, was there ever yeah. a, like when they were like in a cool way, like, Hey, maybe go revisit whatever this deep cut. I've yes. I mean, we, we definitely have had moments where we're like, Hey, let's, let's go listen to the record. We've never, we've never played metabolic live. Now right. we're going to play metabolic. And I'm like, fuck yes. Cause that's, you know, that I, I <laughs> light up with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, have you encouraged them really, to play songs that they haven't played before? Have you been the guy in the band that's like, you guys should bring out this. Um, I, uh, <laughs> it's always been a band decision, but I definitely have, uh, certain songs that I just never got to see the band play live or that I've never been played live ever. Hmm. Um, that, I I may have tried to <laughs> raise my hand in the back of the classroom, be like, "Hey, can we play this?" Um, but uh, it, it started stuff like that started to materialize with the band kind of realizing. One really cool moment was when a um, uh, bunch of guys had realized, like, "Hey, after we started playing like Metabolic, and then we played I Am Hated, and then we played like uh." Uh, gently a couple times they played gently a lot but I hadn't really at that point man um, I Am Hated came on like randomly I was at the gym the other day and that came on shuffle that's intense that's an intense tune yeah um, it's a gr- it's an intense album but yeah. so we we had realized that after we introduced a couple more songs to this set we were like fuck if we play The Shape then that's all then, then Slipknot will have played all of the songs off of Iowa live fuck we should start playing the shape and then we could theoretically do the iowa record live and right. uh, based on you know how are you guys played. aware of the fans who are you know you have guys have fans that petition to play a song live you've never played or whatever fans that weigh in on what the set list should be are you guys aware of that at all i know but, i'm not does that make it to Corey or i have no i have no idea i don't know um yeah, I have no idea of how to answer that other than like the band plays what it wants to play really and we've going back and exploring other parts of the catalog that just hadn't been played all that much was really rad to like out of the gate we were already we were doing different sets each night which was cool so we cool. need introduce songs that hadn't been played at all or very much off of like the subliminal verses or Iowa or uh, the first album or whatever. Um, as well as playing the great chapter material. Um, it's cool. Cause it's it was fun really... for you and fun for the fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, one yeah, of the shows sure. that I think I had the most fun was when we played Iowa in its entirety. Cause that was just like, it felt like sitting down and dropping the needle on that record and like living inside that record. It was fucking awesome. And that's, and that's cool. the, the last song in that record is 13 14 minutes on the record we played it for a fucking half hour (laughs) you know like we really sunk into the vibe of that album and i really enjoyed that show um so doing stuff like that was really incredible and that brought some um just the you know getting your hands dirty and and really digging into those songs and and going back into that i forget what the original question was but um i did talk for a while (laughs) 
<laughs> this dude Chris, who's writing, he's also a drummer. And, uh, I think he's in a hard rock band in uh, somewhere in the Midwest. But he has this, and I was curious about this too. I was going to bring this up myself. He says, "How did Lars influence your style, if at all? And what would you say in defense of Lars's unconventional approach?" All right, so Lars is low-hanging fruit in the drumming community. I don't subscribe to the criticisms. I don't think they're that fair. I think he's the Ringo of metal. But what do you say about it? What do you think? Um, I I love Lars Ulrich's playing, and I think it's uh, it's compositional. I think that's the the word for me that kind of comes to mind when I think of like when I think of Metallica, especially the Metallica songs that really affected me. It's just like playing for the part and. Yeah. Uh, and really building moments in music like mm. that's huge and you can, there's no denying the impact that um that the band metallica and has had on on music in general especially heavy music and especially his drums affecting heavy metal drummers right, and yeah, hard rock drummers it's just a fucking fact right like i uh, yeah i'm incredibly uh uh influenced by by his playing and and their music that they made together because you know um that's a band with four distinct voices um throughout any iteration you know if you have uh cliff burton on bass or jason newsett on bass or robert trujillo on bass um you know it's like uh they've always had those distinct characters between the four of them right yeah and lars is a huge voice in that um uh i i mean fuck dude like so much of injustice for all is just like just the tightness of the guitars with the drums it's creative and it's um it's really interesting there are there are things that i learn that i listen to now like in this benefit show for best buddies that we just did a couple like a couple weeks ago um we uh we play blackened and it's like man there's some like turnarounds and weird shit in there i never i i truthfully have no idea where the one is i don't either I'm, it's so um, nice to hear you we, say we've that. talked about this before yeah i get turned when i even when i play it on guitar here's the only way i can do it on guitar if i haven't played it recently because it's almost like the dumb muscle i get it right but when yeah. i think about it i can't figure out what they're doing Dude, for years i thought that I, could, I couldn't figure out where the one was at first i thought the riff was um and you're doing those on the downbeats. But it's gunga. They're all upbeats. Right. Well, it's confusing because the and it's actually this is funny. Um so we were writing a song called The Negative One and uh figuring out how to kind of turn the song back around in like the middle with this bridge and uh and it's like, okay, we'll go back to like the kind of reintro riff, and then I'm and I'm like fuck I could come in with like kind of like the blackened start yeah. with the snare like just the snare and the symbol or whatever yeah. and that's on the that's in the song that's awesome. there we go nice but but the trick to that is with blackened those snares as a first level listener even today I still hear those as the downbeat they're not it's the upbeat and that's so fucking confusing can you, can you break that down a little bit for someone who may not know what drums are you, upbeat? and, and um, he's talking about the very intro of the song um when it's just so, guitar, then then snare and hi hat come in. So with the downbeats, it's all in the numbers. So like one, two, three, four, and the upbeats are on the ands. So it's like one and two and three and four and. So all those snares, I believe. I mean, it's just like a punk beat. Do ba do ba do ba do ba. It's like that. It's all on the upbeat. It's all on the ands. Yep. Um, 
kind of, I, I guess, right? I yeah, mean, it, it, you're, you're right. It, yeah. it is let on me, the upbeat. So he never hits a, let me he never tell hits you a how kick I, drum on the one. Let me tell you how I yes. hear it as an right. intro. Right. As I hear it as a guitar player, when it's just James at the top, I hear goo ga ga goo ga goo ga goo ga goo ga ga goo ga goo ba 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 do. That's correct. But then when it gets turned around, it goes da 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 da. Yeah, that's yes. where it that's, gets weird. I think I think that's the, the gene, part, genius the, of the Lars. part that they cut out live. Do they cut that out? The the turnaround part in the bridge after the solo. Oh, they do cut that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we yeah. Pl- we play, they, we played that, and I was fucking in this benefit show that we just did. We played that part, and uh, and I was like, "Thank God we got through it," because it really turns around. Yeah. It's a it fucking, actually turns around at the bridge. Yeah, three times. It's yeah. a it's a math equation. But yeah. it's and and that stuff is like that's all composition. That's yeah. super interesting. Totally. Me. Um, totally. There's a bunch of their songs that do that that, that throw you yeah. off, like yeah. um, fire, 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 fire. Oh, for real. Yeah. Did what did you just say? Time? Did you just say another oh, one? Just, just things on that album. Dire's Eve is is like that a lot. Um, I can't wait to. Battery is like that. Yeah. It, actually, if you structurally, if you look at like Battery and Blacken, they're pretty much the same song. Oh yeah, yeah. They for sure. on their most recent tour, they've been starting their encores with either Battery or Blacken. Yeah, it's like a they thrash ju- slot. Yeah, they right. just they just like got rid of Spit Out the Bone a couple shows they ago. Just did, they did, the last one they did was Fight Fire. Yeah, and they've oh, been wow. doing Spit. Okay, too. well I saw them. I drove down to Atlanta and saw them, and they opened their encore with Battery, awesome. and I was like. Either one, I'm totally down with. I was kind of hoping for Blacken, and then when they started Battery, I was totally stoked. But like, um, yeah, both those songs kind of pretty much the same song, like right. in, yeah. in, in oh, yeah. weird, like uh, all those accents too, with like the the snare and the and the crash. Crash, on, those yeah. are never on the those are never on the downbeat. They're yeah. always on the upbeat. Yeah. Like, That's become like a signature sound of his, it's so especially weird. when like when you and get he crashes on two a lot too. Yes, in the load reload era yeah, when it got pff- slow, he'd crash on two a lot. Yeah, and that's impactful, and that definitely changed the way certain people played drums. Right. You know that era of like just heavy rock, you know, drumming and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, those albums and that and his drumming in those is just like super, super compositional and influential, yeah. and makes me think about um, all the different ways that the rhythm and and the pulse of a song can be yeah. can be determined by the drummer. Like know? compositional is a great way to describe Lars. Yeah, drumming. I agree. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, we've talked a lot about what if what if someone like Dave Lombardo or Nick Menza had been the drummer a, a more conventional metal drummer with a lot of chops yeah. or whatever well you, well you know what you not to interrupt but you know no, what a great saying that comes to mind is if things were any different they wouldn't be the same there we go that's right and it's like if if it wasn't lars would it have been great but maybe we don't maybe know. it wouldn't yeah. have been sure and who knows yeah maybe you know? the would have, it wouldn't have even started yeah i mean and, and think about all the think about all the things that aren't even musical that lars has his hand in oh I and mean, and having you know uh, being being a uh extremely vocal in you know the whole napster thing mm-hmm. where now we're start. We're, i mean we're living in the in the collapse of the of he um, was right he was so right and 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 i believe justified Yes. You know, in that yeah, it's sure. like, look, I worked my fucking ass off my entire life on the on this music and you know, it, it's it's the it's it, he got he got a really hard rap for, for, yeah, totally for fighting, scapegoated fighting for other people who wouldn't uh who wouldn't who speak couldn't. up because they'd be like, Oh, well then nobody's gonna come to my show. Well they either would they either wouldn't like, or couldn't couldn't afford to sue a ban- uh, company like right, right But yeah. man but you know, think about like all the things that he has done with Metallica both musically and non-musically the band wouldn't it wouldn't be the same if it weren't for everybody who's been in Metallica in my estimation yeah. but it's just like with especially with Lars and what I see 
as someone who enjoys the band, the way the way he has uh, done what he does, and, and you know, he's, he's just such a he's smart dude. Yeah, smart dude. Real smart. Uh, really integral character to that to that music and yeah, that, yeah. that sound and and the whole vibe of the band. You know, For speaking sure. of chops and stuff, and back to you and your world, Jason Berry, who was very excited about you talking to us. By the way, I love Jason Berry. He says, uh, he says. Was your playing already uh, up to Slipknot level when you joined, or did you... Ha- oh, God damn, the computer went. <sighs> that was really perfect timing for that. <laughs> or did you have to bolster your chops? Did you do any... Yeah, did you have to do any working out to get ready for that stuff? Or was it maybe even just more physical, playing in the mask, playing a show that... You were thrown right into it, though, either yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, know, that, you just don't really have a choice. I mean, like... Were you ever worried you couldn't, you couldn't play some of the shit? No, I don't, not, it's okay re- to say not no. really. I mean, it's, I I don't think that's really for me to just because I'm so in the the eye of the fucking storm. Right, right it's yeah. like I don't even know. I don't know how to describe it as anything other than what that experience is, which is yeah, it's fucking hard. You know, it's it's sure, cha- yeah. it's challenging and it and it uh, demands a lot. Um, Speaking just from my experience, yeah, it demands a lot of me, and it demands you to be better every single day. So I would never. It wasn't something where I felt like, oh shit, I'm playing, you know, catch up or whatever. It's always just been more, like further and further levels of just like I want to be better today. I want to be a, I want to be a more improved version of what I was yesterday, and that that continues today. You know, I want the I want the show I'm playing today to be better than the one last night. Yeah, for I sure. want you know I want today in the studio to be better than it was yesterday. I'm gonna re-record that song because I'm better today than I was yesterday. Do you guys do show notes? Do you guys do post show sort of um, recap? You ever do anything like that? Or is that just a personal thing for you? Maybe personal like, thing. We never talk about it. Um, this worked. This well, didn't work. This should be if, better. I mean. I think it's probably standard for a lot of bands where you kind of, if, you know, if a show is particularly awesome, you see each other backstage, you're like, that was fucking awesome. Yeah, you know, sure. like, because at the end of the day, you're sharing this experience together and you want to be on point all the time. Um, it's hard to get there. It's hard yeah. to, you know, um, as a band, as a, you know, unit for everybody to be on 100%, just the vibe being correct. It's difficult, but we do get there, and and when it's on, it's on. Um, little things here and there that if we were to comment on, like, hey, we should, you know, we should like figure out this like this part is not feeling right or something like that. We an- we analyze shit like that. We don't we're not complacent about how we're playing something live. We definitely want it to be on point. We study, and if something's feeling you know, weird or something, we'll listen. You know, we record every show. So if there's something that, like, we're not playing this the best it could be, we'll, like, address it. You record, it, like, a soundboard, right. like, stemmed out recording yeah, yeah, of every com- show? completely, yeah. Pro- for pro- potential, pro- potential live records, maybe, or... I don't know, just to have. Yeah. I think just, uh, for the instance, like, hey, like, this bridge sounds weird. Like, right. doesn't yeah. this feel weird to everybody? Let's address that. A, um, lot, a lot of bigger bands doing that. When I was with Kings of Leon, I mean, they recorded every single show and have for years. And did stems, right? Not just a soundboard, like, probably had stems. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, like, a pro, like, a, like, a, like it's going into Pro Tools out of front of house. Right, yeah. Um, obviously, Metallica does the same thing, you know, and stuff that Fiddleman will touch up for, you know, live recordings or they release every show live. They're like, Jay, you vomited in your mask last night. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Can you do that every night, When it came out night, of the nose please? holes, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably be able to tell you when that happened. Um, oh, you have done yeah, that? Uh, yeah, like, you know, nothing too crazy, but definitely. <laughs> it's a little. Uh, so, um, you know, if you have a fucking sinus infection on the road and then 
your snot's falling all over the place. If you're a normal drummer, your snot just goes all over your drums. But if you're wearing a mask, your smart your snot fills up your mask. Oh man, are you um, in a are you in a band bus or are you on your own bus or what's how, what's the travel sitch? Uh, we we you know band travels together, travel with band members. I'll tell you the story, man. I was uh, in my in my rock and roll touring days. Every leg we would start, we'd have a new driver. One of my favorite things was to go sit up front. Who have you worked with? What's What's going on, you know? Yeah. Oh, the fiddle player for Dave Matthews Band? Tell me all about that. Mm-hmm. What's his deal? Right, that yeah. dude's insane. And one of the drivers we had, he drove Slipknot for like four years oh, or yeah. something. And so I was like, my limited not this was maybe 2010 or something. Mm-hmm. My limited not I was like, oh, those dudes are crazy. Like, what was that like? He was like, man, they were the nicest dudes. Totally normal and cool. Respectful of the bus. A lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Went to bed early. I was like the Slipknot guys. Those sound like some nice boys. Sleep in their masks. Right, they sleep yeah. in their full costumes. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's like some of those moments like if if you only knew. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, hey, it's like fucking SVU's on at midnight, dude. Yeah, that's a, that's a case with, <laughs> that's a case with a lot of bands I think that have this appearance of being super scary or intense or whatever and you think like oh those guys are probably like that 24 right. 7 and you might be like you were saying like musically like they're still intense and they're like you know yeah want to hammer out the stuff for records and stuff well but, in my experience you well, can't you can't be all you can't be that all the time you can't so sustain for, it so for right, them to yeah. be that intense about the art and the show they've got a them and others that are like that are got to be super it's balanced a, out yeah. it's, a balance. it's, it's, it's always a balancing act man you know if you're if you're too full tilt in every aspect of your life you're gonna you're gonna burn out and of course so yeah. like to, to stay a hundred percent committed to the music and, and to what you're doing on stage you got to have the yin to that yang which yeah is for just sure like you know if, if you're gonna really bring it and really punish yourself for the music and and sacrifice your 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 brain, your body, your everything for the music, you've got to uh, know what you can do to sustain that because, yeah, you know, it's, it's important. It's important to be a 100% version of yourself mm-hmm. on that stage. Um, and uh, so to, to shortchange that by, you know, being tired because of, you know, your your decisions the night before or something like that or if you're yep. you know this or that or not prepared it's it, you're you're cheating yourself you're cheating um an audience who really invests itself in you and that's just not cool so that's not how i've ever approached anything yeah. and i don't think that's how the band approaches i'm anything. totally with you i'm 100 andy brown asks and i thought this was interesting was bruce ever aware of metallica to the point of liking some of their material was uh you'd have to ask him um well, on the phone right so. now it's bruce <laughs> yeah. hey kid um i would i would imagine so i i don't know um to the extent of you know he seems pretty in I really tune don't know. with all He's sorts v- of music very in tune and actually you know interesting in, interestingly enough you know like he would show up to against me shows um, before I was in the band that I'd be at, and, oh, well, okay. and and so I'd see you know I'd see him out at against me shows. He would I, go to against. And me actually, shows? actually, this is interesting. One of the first times I believe he ever saw me play drums was up on stage with Against Me. Um, against Me would play this one song. Um, at the end of the song, there'd be this big clapping break, and then it would come back in, and and uh, Warren, their drummer at the time, would jump over like the barricade and like, like crowd surf and stuff. And I, on a, on a couple of occasions, would like finish out the song on drums, um, 
and uh, and Bruce saw that once, and I remember it was a, it had been a while. It'd been a, a couple of years, maybe, since I had seen Bruce, and he was like, "That was you." <laughs> um, so I, I remember that was one of the first times that Bruce had seen me play drums, mm. and, I, and I think he had remembered that when we played that song at Soundcheck, like, like, oh yeah, I saw him play like twenty seconds with Against Me that right. one time, and, and he's you know he's a fan of music. He's really yeah. he's really I know that about him is that he's very current with music. Yeah. Definitely, yep. I think. Um, if people give him his music or give, give him their music, he will listen. You know, I, um, a few of my friends play with Taylor Swift. They're in her band and, uh, who? his, uh, this chick, I'm kidding. <laughs> this new indie chick. Yeah. Up and, um, up and coming. Yeah. And, uh, I guess Bruce's daughter is a big fan and goes to a lot of Taylor shows and he goes with her a lot. Yeah. And they'll see him down in the pit, you know, with That's his cool. kid yeah. in the circle pit. Yeah. He's <laughs> doing during whiplash. Yeah. yeah, Taylor, yeah. Taylor covers whiplash. Now. He, uh, he's a, um, he's a music fan. I, I would imagine just as, you know, to be that creative and that much of like a literal creative genius. Yeah. I think you have to be a fan. Oh, you, you have, have to. Absolutely. For know. sure. Yeah. I mean, he's saying on like one of my favorite uh, songwriters is Mike Ness, social D. Yeah. yeah. He's saying on his solo record. I mean, they've shared the stage together. He's yeah. brought Mike Ness out. I played, uh, I think I, God, my memory's fuzzy with the early part of that tour, but I remember Mike Ness got up on stage with the band, and I think my dad played. Is when we were like tag team in the sets, and I think my dad played like Mommy's Little Monster or something oh, like cool. that. Wow. Something like that. Like he got up on stage. Mike Ness came up on stage. My dad played Mommy's Little Monster with Mike Ness, and then my dad jumped off the kit, and I came up and played The Rising with the band, Holy and Mike shit. and Mike was also... Uh, with Mike Ma- Ness? With, with Mike Ness, yeah. Oh, that's so cool, and that's um, such a great song and record, too, man. But I know, god I, damn it. If, if there are any Bruce pe- fan people who were at that show that that happened, maybe fact-check me to make sure that actually happened, and that, oh, they I, that, wasn't, a, that wasn't a dream yeah, that I had. I felt like, I, dream- I, felt like I, I could easily have been dreaming that, but I think that actually did happen. I forget. Let me just indulge myself for a minute. I'm a huge Bruce fan. Did you ever play Girls in Their Summer Clothes, which was on Magic? Girls in Their Summer Clothes. I believe I did. I love that record. Me Um, too. I liked uh, Working on a Dream, too. Watching that out, watching them play uh, the song Magic. Yeah. um, Especially, I I wasn't fortunate enough to play with Danny Federici. He passed Mm. before I played with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I played with Clarence, which is great. Unbelievable. He passed away. But. yeah, Danny's work on, um, you know, on that material from Magic. Like Magic is a great record. And I didn't know, like, I remember hearing the word magic, and I was like, what does that even mean? But then hearing him explain, it's like, you know, it's less about magic and more about tricks. And mm. I was just like, fuck, that's <laughs> fucking heavy. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I, I that's a great record, and I believe I played that song. I'm not sure, though. Did you ever play uh, Adam Ray's Decane? Yes. Mm-hmm. Great song. Everyone needs uh, to go get uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Yeah. It's a great band record. Your dad's work is great that's on a great if, record. If we're, yeah. if we're talking, you know, we've mentioned what my favorite Metallica records are. Or I've had this conversation with people about what my favorite Bruce and the East Street yeah, band let's do song. It. Let's do it. I think I'm Darkness on that one. Yep. I think I, that album is just like, so, man, Streets of Fire. Oh, shit. Um, that record is so good. Dude, uh, we I, I never played Streets of Fire with them in a show, but we played it at Soundcheck, and I got emotional playing mm. that song wow. at Soundcheck. We played we play Darkness. I love playing the song Darkness on the Edge of Town. Um, what else is on that album? Uh, well, I wanted to ask about... <laughs> it's one of my favorites. I don't know what it's on. <laughs> I wanted to ask about Tunnel of Love. Okay. Did your dad... Is that an E Street record? That's after Born in the USA. It's the record after that. Yeah, he played on Because you're saying the band broke up in 88, right? Yeah. I... F- I 
be like Fair, I'm pretty sure tougher I, than the rest was actually, one of the oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, tougher I thought, than I thought, the rest I thought yeah. the only two that the Eastie band wasn't on was Nebraska Nebraska and the Ghost of Tom Joad well Ghost of Tom Joad is Sorry, early not 90s if I'm misremembering that right that's after they broke up I yeah, yeah, but, he is yeah yeah those, I'm, I'm saying those are the only non, the, the only two non-E Street records. Oh, okay, as, as far as I know, I thought he did a record with a band that wasn't East Street. No, there Street. was Human Touch, Human Touch, and, this early uh, '90s stuff. Right. What was the? Uh, it's Human. It's two back to back there. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Which are pretty pretty cool actually. Yeah. But I'm an E Street guy all the way, man. Mm-hmm. Full on. All right. Okay. We uh, have segued into the Bruce Springsteen podcast featuring yeah. Jay Weinberg. <laughs> Who subbed for his dad, which is crazy. All right, Rye asks, he's kind of, this is a Springsteen question and a Slipknot question. He says, when okay. filling in with Bruce and the big band sound he brings live, who did you lock on with the most during the set for the feel? I know Bruce is naturally commanding force. They don't call him the boss for nothing. But did you have a specific mix in your ears to keep on track for such a long flowing set? Or did you just drink the whole vibe in like a badass and rip it? He says, I imagine the same goes for Slipknot. With some dude slamming a hammer into a beer keg beside you uh, while you're trying to keep the beat, do you need to filter it down to keep it together to find your pocket? What is in your What are in your in your monitors? That's a really great question. Um, Give everyone with Bruce. Well, with Bruce, it's a lot of him. I have my drums really loud, like anytime I'm playing. Um, But uh, you have side fills also. Yeah, it depends. Um, Sometimes, like with. with Bruce, I did not. I had some subs behind me, but no, not like a stage monitor. I had in-ears, and I would play to a click that I could change at will, which was based on how Bruce is feeling. How'd you so, do that? So if Bruce is going to start out a song, Bruce counts off the songs. Classic. You mm-hmm. know. Um, he counts it off, and then I come in, and I'll start the, the tempo, which is uh, controlled by, um, well, at the time when I was playing with them, my dad's drum tech was named Harry McCarthy. Uh, now it's Matt Payne, yeah. but, uh, uh, he will cue up the next song, which could change right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, of course. Uh, at will and, and often did, but, uh, he would cue up. Okay. You know, next song is at one Oh six BPM. All right. Boop, 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 boop. And then I had a trigger, uh, like foot switch that would start the click when I hit it right. and stop it. Uh, if Bruce had started off a song faster or slower than that click would be, I'd immediately hear that. I'd turn it off and I'd hit a light switch, foot switch, that would signal to Harry yeah. that uh, match the tempo of what I'm playing now. Or I'm like, like keeping time on my hats or I'm playing... So he would just like t- oh, do, do, a, do a tap and he thing. Would ta- and then he would do a Dr. B tap it. And then after three or four seconds, I'd hit the click and it's right in yeah, tempo. Yeah, okay, okay. Everyone, so, everyone's on their so, toes. So, so you, so would, you lock into Bruce, but then once you're good to go, the band locks into then, you. Then I hit the click, and then we're all kind of on that tempo. And things, yeah. and things, Did they have the click too. Maybe and, not Bruce, but maybe some other guys did. Not okay. many guys on that in that band play with ears. So oh, not, they're all monitors. Yeah, old, um, old school man. Old Bruce school. is all Bruce is all stage monitors. He has like twelve like sunken See, monitors under the stage. I like the I like to feel air pushing on stage. Me too. Yeah. I really do too. I like to feel my drums and hear the articulation. So I like having in ears, but I also like having stage monitors. I have that with Slipknot. Um, what are your ears like for Slipknot? For Slipknot, um, or, well, just to answer with Bruce, I had a lot of my drums, a lot of Bruce and uh, and Gary Talent, one of the best bass players on the you had bruce's planet. voice and guitar voice or? and guitar yep okay. and, yeah. and other things as i would need it roy's piano um does bruce have a talk back mic no okay is there an md or someone talking to people 
And nothing like that. No. Bruce is the MD. So you're just, yeah. you're just, it's a lot of visual cues. Well, yeah, he'll talk into the mic if, you, if anything. Yeah. To you and Giant yeah. Stadium. Yeah. Um, uh, no, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's just like they're the world's biggest bar band, you know, right. for right, real. Yeah. Uh, everything is pretty, um, with the exception of just kind of locking in with a metronome uh, once it's kind of set by Bruce. Um, everything's pretty fucking raging. Um, hmm. Uh, with Slipknot, it's completely raging because we don't play to a metronome at all, uh, at all live. We have no backing tracks. We have no, you know, my drums aren't sampled or triggered or whatever. Stuff, yeah. No. Um, but with Slipknot, I have a lot of my drums, a lot of Corey's vocal, a lot of uh, Mick and Jim's guitar. I hear a lot of things from the stage. So, I, like uh, bass, I, we have we have a lot of that on the stage. Like V man has these two huge wedges right under me. Oh, so wow. I, I get a lot of that on stage. I have Corey's voice in my, su- in my monitor, my stage monitors as well. Um, and guitars. If there's anything I want to really click into and like kick and snare too, uh, coming through those. Um, I like to feel that a lot. Um, and then as needed, I'll have, um, parts that sid does uh because sid when he's scratching sometimes it acts like another drummer that i have to lock in with if we play a song like eyeless or a song like my plague where i have to lock into his rhythm um i'll have him in my ears so he's right there um a a keg at some point sometimes drives the rhythm of the song anything as needed we have really talented monitor um, teams. So you got a monitor guy that's what you have a guy just dedicated to you, maybe? No, he's de- he's for the whole band, but he knows he knows who to cues. look. Who he to knows look for. like okay, this keg part Jay needs to hear like really loud, so right. I'm gonna bump it. Yeah, there's and then a, I'll pull it down. That's very common with like on um, I, I, bands is like this size. The Kings the same way, man. Like our monitor guy Saul. I mean, there's certain points in the set where like Nathan the drummer wants more of bass for this mm-hmm. one, just even one chorus or whatever, yeah. you know. And so he's almost like. It's not like just like okay, everyone's got their mix. I can just kick back until something goes wrong. I'm like you're literally yeah. like his hands are on the console the whole time, mm-hmm. like doing doing cues. Yeah, yeah. So my monitor mix kind of changes throughout the set just based on what songs we're kind of playing and what I need. I'll need Craig piano part sometimes or a sample that I need to hear. Um, but pretty traditional, like a lot of drums, a lot of vocal, a lot of guitar. How spontaneous uh, is a Slipknot show compared to like Bruce, like? When you guys do get the set list, is that kind of what it is? Yeah, we don't. Well, we don't change it on stage. We'll maybe talk about like let's let's change this song today. Like we've done that, um, but nothing in terms of like like we meet back behind the stage while we're grabbing water. Like, right. hey guys, let's do this one. We don't we don't do that. You're also um, dealing with a lot of production too, where it's like. There's a whole a yeah. bunch of different teams that need to know if there's something that's going to change. Video, yeah, yeah, video, lights, fire, pyro, yeah, yeah, um, motion tun- stuff, uh, and- uh, tunings. You know, we're not we're right. not in st- standard tunings totally. of a guitar, so you have to take that into consideration yeah, when you're like sure. building a set list. Because um, uh, just certain songs just go well together. Um, but uh, yeah, there's nothing there's nothing like that, and also you start to you start to really like kind of when you have a set that's like just eclectic and good, we kind of, I like kind of just vibing out on it. And like you start to, it becomes like trance. It becomes like repetition where you're just like, so embodying that 
the spirit of like those songs and the way those songs flow into each other. I don't know. I think switching it up sometimes is good. Like where you're playing different sets each night that keeps it fun and, and eclectic. Sure. Um, but then it's also nice to like play the same thing every night and really like study those songs and really put yourself deep in those songs. Well, I, and I think that's a fan thing too. I mean, you guys have such a fan base where you could probably play a lot of, a lot of shit you want to play to be fine. But the dude I play for has had a lot of number ones, a lot of big songs. Yeah. And that's sort of the story of his fans connection. And we mm-hmm. play the same set every night. And it's like you find your own little moments within that to be creative or stretch or be weird. or Yeah. Sometimes it's for you, maybe just the dudes in the band because they wouldn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we, I think any band should just play what they want. And, um, do you guys play for each other that way that you do on stage sometimes where you're kind of playing for the other guys? You're doing something fun for them. That's really, that's a great question. Yeah. I, um, there's definitely some things. <laughs> do like a one double kick thing or something just for fun. Yeah, there are certain there are certain moments in certain songs where I I'll do like a thing that I know will like catch clown's attention. <laughs> he and I, uh, he and I. Well, but you can't tell if he's laughing or not. Or smiling. There's one it's funny. Masks funny people might catch on to it. Perhaps not because it happens so quickly. But there's a song on uh, the gray chapter where. Um, I, I didn't do it on the record, but every time we play it live, I do this one fill that's just a little bit different towards the end of a song. And um, and he'll look back at me because it's just such a precise fucking thing in the, in the span of like a half second. Yeah. And he'll look back at me and we do it for each other every time yeah. uh, where I'll do it. And he'll be, he'll give me one of these like, meh. You know, or he'll give okay. me, or he'll give me one of these like "fuck yeah," you know, and and sometimes I'll contest it if he's like "nah" or whatever, then I'll play the rest of the song with my middle finger up at him. Uh, so, so there are certain things like that that are yeah, definitely you know you do little things that are kind of like it's almost like musical inside jokes, you know, oh, yeah, for and, sure. and you um, That's part of the sanity of touring. Yeah, yeah, oh, I, agreed. I absolutely agree. And you know, when you're such a fucking fan of music, and you're a fan of your own band in a way, and you're a fan of what you guys do, you got to keep it funny, and you got to do those things where it's just like nobody's gonna know that we just did this, but us. I believe that my connection to the band has just intensified. Really, um, it's uh, if anything, I I have a stronger more i have a po- i have a stronger positive association with the band um having gotten close to it now and and being five years into a kind of you know creative relationship with the guys um yeah it's only gotten deeper and more intense um i don't listen to the music as a listener in the way that i did and i think that just by nature of of you know being included and being included in the process now i think that's just natural for the way that happens because i'm so i play these songs every day right (laughs) yeah yeah. so it's not like i it's it's not like i'm driving around town listening Mm -hmm. to duality all the time now (laughs) Uh, you say that when you played iowa though you felt like you were in that record this record that you loved playing deep cuts yeah um you know they knew right away that i knew like every inch of tape that they had laid down for those albums and that I, I put myself in those fucking songs. Like I, I knew I studied those songs so much because they meant so much to me as like a, as a fucking weird kid who just wanted heavy metal to wear as his shield and to wear this band as his shield through life. You know, it meant, it meant a lot to me. So I 
studied every little detail of those songs. So when I auditioned for the band, so to speak, um, I played all those little things that it's like this. Yeah, well, it's like this lifts this part, this weird little kind of change that the you know that the the music takes. Like I took notice of that. Are you and, aware of the joke that Corey uh, made to Metallica about you? No, what's that? Where he said uh, he was interviewing Metallica for Hardwired. It was some sort of promotional. Music. Oh yeah, I remember that. And he was asking them, "How do you keep doing it this good at your age?" You know, but he asked it respectfully without being like, "You guys are old." And uh, they said something. I uh, Lars said something about you. He said, "Well, you don't you have like a twenty-three-year-old drummer now?" And Corey said, jokingly, of course, he was like, "Oh, dude." We can't keep up with him anymore because he's, you know, because you had so much energy. Was like, well, it, was, it was hiring, you know, a twenty-three-year-old drummer. <laughs> yeah, um, that's funny. Because um, you bring a lot of that love of those records. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of what I took from that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, they they know that, like, they know I know the shit um, inside and out, and that's and that's one of the things that I uh, love about, you know being on tour and if if we have the idea to include a new song uh, that hadn't been played live before or something like that they know that it's like uh, it's not gonna be a question mark for me i i love i love everything i love everything they've come up with and really studied those albums yeah and um they don't ever have to worry about you you know we all have to worry about each other. Sure. There's some of that, yeah. Not musically. You know, musically, we're very uh, respectful of the music. And because it took, you know, I, as a listener of those first four albums, you know, I have a measurable respect for what they were able to accomplish. And, right. and still to this day, pushing forward creatively into new territories and stuff and now being a part of it. Um it all comes from a place of like uh, mutual respect and um, appreciation for your, each other's talents and the talents of, of, you know, who comes up with those songs. And, right, yeah. and so I, uh, I don't want to approach those songs with any kind of, um, you know, I want to do, I want to do justice to those songs and, um, and doing that really takes a lot of studying. And, sure. uh, but also I think doing justice is also, being like look i'm not one of those nine guys so i gotta do it my own way yeah um and i think that gives the the music and the and those guys those players that did make that those songs uh the the respect that they deserve and that it deserves as a piece of music um that it's like look i wasn't the guy that was there making it but you know interpreting it in my own way now is what I feel is like a, a respectful kind of way to just go about it because I, f- I really do love it at the end of the day. I do yeah, love it. For yeah. sure. That's awesome. I'm Loudwire that the next Slipknot record is going to be all reggae. That's right. Because they all got let it They all heard my new record and they're like, well, we got to make a reggae record now. <laughs> right, we got two more questions. Brad Blazik, friend of the show, says he can't wait to hear this episode. Uh, you're listening to it right now, Brad. He says... Yeah, you won't have to wait much longer. That's right. <laughs> he says, always a big fan of the Conan O'Brien show, especially his interactions with Max. Can you talk about any interactions you might have had with Conan? So you're a kid running around the set in NBC. What is it? NBC? Was that NBC? Yeah, NBC, yeah. 30 yeah. Rockefeller yeah. Plaza in New York. Um, and then later when it was in Burbank. Because he's quite the music fan too, right? He's mm-hmm. a guitar player. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have as much interaction with Conan as I did with Bruce. Um but uh you know would would see him around a little bit i mean 
think about that difference between a you know a tv host and someone in a band or a singer songwriter is that like when you're on tour and you're in a band you've done your work and now you're just repeatedly showing your work right when you're a tv host you got to make your work every day every every day has to be new so uh, it's a harder job than most people realize yeah i think so the, the monologues being fresh with the guests especially yeah. if you've yeah you must have been seeing writers running around oh yeah like kids getting well they rejected i've i've heard the stories that when they started out they would call their show every night live because they were like <laughs> yeah they were for real running just so by the seat of their pants and everything and they you know when they started that show out they didn't know that they were when they ended on friday they didn't know if they were going to be back on monday P- people don't remember man because i was watching it that show was far out. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was really great. strange. I love. I mean, when I first got into Conan, it was probably late nineties, mm-hmm. ninety eight maybe. And I'm like, this is just amazing. Like, it was yeah. so different from the other, other late night far shows. Out. Rambo skits and shit. Oh like yeah. That. Yeah. Totally. yeah. Um, but I I never really had that much interaction with with Conan. I I played a song with uh, with the band um, with the Tonight Show band uh, after I had done like some Bruce stuff and and Conan made a comment of how you know when I was excuse me when when my dad was playing for the Tonight Show I uh, took over for him with Bruce and and so he kind of like had me on and and I played like a Ramones song with them or something um, but uh, yeah I um very kind but didn't have too much interaction with with Conan all right, our last question, Jake Sarche. He asks, "Who do you look up to now in the drumming world? Like, who, who, who blows your mind? Are you a Josh Freese fan?" I love Josh Freese. Yeah, um, yeah, for who, sure. Who's on your radar? Um, let's see. Big fan of Jason Rader from Neurosis and Sleep, uh, Bron Daler from Mastodon, Ben Kohler from Converge and Mutoid Man. Um, let's see. You ben. Yeah, totally. Um, I think I'm more influenced, kind of like by friends, you know, like. Uh, well, because a, um, a lot of these guys are your peers now. I mean, so that that's a different thing for you, right? I, I don't. You're even, brushing up against people at festivals, and yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's weird. I I don't really think about it like that because I still am a huge like, you know, like we'll play festivals with like Clutch, and I still get fucking giddy to watch john paul play drums oh, clutch you know? is great yeah yeah and i and i get nervous as fuck when you know he's watching our set or whatever you know like um no, there was a uh, there was a fun show that we played in the bay area a couple years ago where we're on tour with uh marilyn manson and gil sharon plays drums from marilyn manson and uh you know i've been a fan of gills ever since he was playing with dillinger and um and so I remember we did a show in the Bay Area where, like, I'm already on tour with Gil, so I'm like, fuck, I have to play in front of fucking Gil every <laughs> night, because he's an absolute monster. And then uh, Eric Moore and Thomas Pridgen show up to our show, and I'm like, can all you guys just leave, please? <laughs> yeah, I'll see you after the show, Come back but just, after the show, please yeah. be, just don't be here. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I, I, I use it now more as just kind of like encouragement. If there's um, a guy that I really look up to at a gig that we're playing or something, um, it's just that much more encouragement just to go for it and and throw myself into what I do, uh, what we do as a band, and what I can do as a drummer. Um, yeah, I have favorite guys 
for sure guys that I grew up, you know, idolizing that we'll often play shows with now. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you can go one of two ways about it. It's like, you could get nervous as fuck and, and, you know, let it get to your head or whatever, or you could use it as encouragement to just kick in the door that much more. And, um, and I found myself kind of leaning towards the latter, um, just to, I don't know, take, take inspiration from, from everybody, but also just be like, look, we all have our, we all have our strengths and we all have our own things. And I think the best thing that you can, you can try to strive for as a drummer is just having your own voice. And, um, I'm a fan of guys who have really honed out their own voice, like Jean Paul from Clutch. I can totally tell that's him playing like Thomas Pridgen, um, like Gil Sharon, um, guys like that really are my, uh, my favorite drummers. I'm big, uh, big fan of Nate Smith um daru jones um yeah guys like that i don't know like yeah it's kind of like all over the place like um, your dad come he does yeah he'll come to shows um he and my mom both my mom's a big slipknot fan um she uh she'll throw like she'll throw elbows in the pit and stuff i've definitely seen her on the outskirts of of slipknot amazing it's pretty (laughs) incredible she knows every word um no my dad my dad comes yeah um you know, guys that I'm on tour with, that we're on tour with, like, I'll, I, I definitely take some inspiration. Ray Luzier, great drummer to watch. Um, love watching him play. Um, play shows with Sepultura and watching Eloy Casagrande play. Yeah, that dude's a badass. Man, incredible. I yeah, I, you know, I, I really take inspiration from a lot of people that I get to see play live. Are you a Vinnie Paul fan? Yeah. Yeah, I like Vinnie's playing. Um, never was the hugest... Uh, Pantera fan I think it speaks to people more than than maybe it ever really did to me but uh, I, li- I like uh, some Pantera stuff and, and definitely his drumming was uh, pretty massive in you know in its reach and its weight it just sounds massive mm-hmm. oh yeah um, so totally. tight too it's just, yeah he was a very tight yeah. drummer every kick drum in its right place yeah, yeah totally yeah. alright are we ready to transition into some uh, what we call metal madness yes. oh yeah we are yeah uh, now what we've done is in honor of your two favorite records I thought it'd be fun to let them go toe to toe wow of okay. course it's just subjective it's all fun I'm ready yeah. but the goal is is Justice versus Puppets okay. the Jay Weinberg edition Holy and fuck. what is gonna be the best song of these two Juggernaut records wow yeah Whoa. best of two votes makes it to the next round yeah, it doesn't always end well and like. <laughs> it's gonna start hard and it's gonna it's gonna be a lot like a Slipknot show it's going to be fucking intense to the bitter goddamn end. <clears throat> That's very true. So let's yeah. get into some metal madness. Okay, everyone understand the rules? Everyone know how it goes? You can oh. plead cases, you can uh, get heated, you can... Oh, awesome. You glove, can do whatever glove, you glove want. Glove are coming off. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah. All right. Okay. The first round. And I kind of did them... I kind of mashed them with where they match each other on the records. Is, it, is this like... Um, uh, are you are you doing like first seed versus eighth seed kind of kind of thing? I didn't or, or do what? that. Okay, I did. I I, I usually Cause that's do. hard because that's hard because you can't have like the two best teams going toe to toe. You can't have the Stanley Cup final in the fucking first round. That is what I did. Oh, that's okay. what I did. Wow. I, d- I thought about not doing that. Okay. Like well, I did hardwired. Yeah, but- ver- we did a hardwired versus Death Magnetic, and I instead of doing like ballad for ballad, opener for opener, thrash for thrash, mm-hmm. I fucked it up. 
This one we're basically going. It's almost trackless for trackless. Okay, but then it, but then second Shit. round it, it starts to get. That's where it gets. No, th- but but these two yeah. records that are both kind of flawless. Yeah, because I just think like the best on each record would just steamroll the rest. But okay, we can go. We well, can that's go. why it wouldn't be fair. Like it wouldn't be fair to do Freight Ends of Sanity versus Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. Even though we both yeah, like both songs. Yeah, right. Okay, I see what you mean. So here we go. Round one. All right, yeah, let's do it. Round one of, is, of course, you can probably already imagine it in your mind's oh. eye. Oh, yep. my God. We got Battery versus Blackened. God damn And it. I'm going to start us off. I'm going Blackened. Uh, do you want me to go first? I well, do. see, if you choose Blackened now, the round's over. Yeah. I'm, really? Yeah. If it, you choose bla- if you choose Battery, we got to do a tiebreaker. We gotta, okay, well, you know... I have thoughts because, like, well, I said earlier in the episode that I, I, I knew that they would be opening their encore with one of the two. Yeah. And you wanted Blackened. And I was so, st- but I was still so stoked because that, um, you know, with Battery. Um, I think another interesting caveat to put into this is maybe uh, ju- Drumming Challenge. Um, uh, they're, they're both pretty fucking similar. Uh I'm, I'm blackened on that one. All right. Um, I would have chose blackened. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're unanimous. I, I, unanimous. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to not let this inform the rest of what I say here, but I have gone on record, maybe not publicly, but I will now. That you could give me like two or three riffs of the song blackened. You could give me that in one hand. Yeah. And then you could give me the rest of Metallica's catalog. I would pick those black and riffs. There's so many good riffs in that song. That's such a fucking banger. Oh yeah, dude. I yeah. I would like. I would lay down all other Metallica songs. That's my favorite Metallica song. But so, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let that. I'm not gonna. There, like. Again, I'm not going to let that affect my going on from here. This is a competition between songs, subjective, okay. and um, I'll do my best to. I'll keep tell you this what fair. I'll do. I will. I will jump ahead in the records here, just, and it, they don't match up perfectly because Justice okay. is nine tunes, Puppets is eight. That's just such a fucking great song. I know. We, now, I can already tell you what is going to hurt my feelings. The intro it, too. Wait, can we just talk about the intro of Black and the re- and the reverse thing? No, yeah. it's written reverse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Have you listened amazing. to the forward one? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a the, the, the reverse one's way better. It was a great idea to do it's that. Better, yeah. but it's but it's it's it's, it's super cool. To hear it's the, so, the forward it's so much one. better, but it's just so creepy and it creeps up on you. Like, dude, it's. I, I prefer it to the battery one, the the kind of you know p- gut string guitar. But I I do love that though. Yeah, I love it too. It's got a great chord progression. Hey, and we're and the root the root notes chromatic on it too. If we're talking early early Metallica thrash openers. I'm going fight fire with the cliff twelve string vibe. Mm. Yeah, I'm still blacking on that. Okay, okay, all right, okay. all right. What we got next? No, if this doesn't go my way, it's gonna fucking hurt my feelings. Right. Disposable heroes versus the shortest straw. Oh my god! Damn it, dude! Now one one must come out victorious. Jesus Christ! Is it up to me to like? Well, who's? I mean, all right. Look, I'm, I'm gonna, I was about to throw mine out. What no, is it? Go for it. I'm going disposable heroes. All right, Jay, what are you going? Holy shit! Okay, there are certain things about shortest straw that like 
that single note riff that when it drops out that that single riff that really high note that still sounds so like like fucking meat grindery oh man it's so good are we playing an excerpt from the record right now you just heard a clip of short of straw um short of straw like dude it's god that that song has so much vibe but um i'm uh as much as it's gonna really it's it's gonna mm-hmm. pain me to say it though. I'm disposable heroes on that one. Okay, we're unanimous. Nice. You and I too. love shortest straw, but okay. disposable. And James is playing at Mexico City. He's playing it as if he's drinking a Slurpee. Yeah, he's playing one of the hardest right hand riffs. He has the best. He has the best fucking right hand. in all. You heard it from Jay Weinberg himself. He I mean that's just that's up. just like common knowledge though. It's um, not even disputable. But dude, th- and just it's like a fucking back big, to the front. Yeah, it's like it's a, got these great hooks in it. It's like a big band riff. Yeah, that's like a that's like big band. Rhythms. You could hear like yeah. horns yeah. doing it. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Richard Cheese could do it. Richard right. Cheese would do it. Yeah. I love Disposable Heroes. Um, yeah, great, great one. Oh, so good. Great one. Okay. Now, the titular tracks go toe-to-toe. We have Master of Puppets versus dot, 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 and Justice for All. I'll lead off. I'll say this. One of my favorite Lars moments on there, speaking of his composition drumming, yeah, that's dude. That's a good sound check uh, drum riff. Yes, anytime someone's like, "Give me the whole kit," you're like, you "Okay." Got, <laughs> yeah, if you've got three rack toms, you got to play the injustice. That's for what all. I when, when I was in Line K because I had one rack and two floors. Anytime our front house guy Scott would be like, "Hey, give me the whole kit," I would do that intro. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, it's the best. Um, um, who's going to start us off? I've kind of already made up my mind. Can I start again? Yeah, yeah. Puppets. Okay, I'm going to go justice. I'm gonna go um, Justice. Uh, Puppets is, is in my top five Metallica songs. Sure, like pound for pound. But if we're putting these two babies next to each other for power, the progressive nature of Justice—it's long. It's a long and winding road. It and is. don't forget, speaking of bitching intros, yeah, that's a that's a great. What one. are they fucking Bach all of a sudden? <laughs> Yanni. <laughs> all right, um, so the tiebreaker goes to Jay. You know, I think one of my favorite moments on the Andrusses for All record is when it slows down and it's a reintro with the in the, in the middle, but after that, the that is one of my favorite moments on that album. But, um, man, the the melody of the middle part in Puppets. And just, I mean, what a, like, what a powerful, just the imagery and the, like, think about, you know, what they're writing about and the, you know, ah, uh, fuck. I'm, um, I'm puppets on that one. Oh, okay. puppets yeah. wins. All right. That, that hurts because I really love it's t- it. It's tough, strong. right? And it gets, it only gets harder. It doesn't get wow. easier. Oh, God. Okay. Okay, moving on. Uh, I would consider these two songs, uh, at least one of them for sure, to be underappreciated. And yet, if you're a diehard nerd, like we obviously are, you like them both. We yeah. got Leper Messiah versus Harvester of Sorrow. Oh. Ooh. 
I'm, you know, I'm actually yeah. What is it? Harvester. Sorry. I'm Harvester too. I'm Harvester. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love Leopard Messiah. It's amazing. I'm they just, just played it the other night too. But uh, yeah. Harvester is a great. Yeah, I'm, that I'm was easier than I thought it'd be. One of my favorite uh, clean intros of all their songs. Great intro. Come on, you got the in these days you get the Kirk Hammett Cookie Monster vocals. Oh yeah, language of the man. Yeah, he's trying it though. I love when Newstead did it best. See, Newstead nailed that. Yeah. Where do you stand on the bass players? Who's your dude? Um, is, it, is it if it's puppets and is it Cliff? I really do like all eras, but I mean, because uh, I'm I'm also kind of like partial. Like I always like the new guys, you know. Like yeah. I always just like the new guys. But um, I wonder why that I, is. I really love. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really fuck man. Cause I, cause I like certain ways that Robert plays like he's ba- a great like bass battery player. and stuff. Like, oh yeah. Watching him do that he's kind of shit. Bass player. Oh my God. Watching him, watching him play Orion is great. Yeah. Which, and I'm, sure we'll get, which I'm sure we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, fuck man, you can't go wrong with cliff, but, but other ways that Jason was like, you know, whiplash was such his song, you totally. know? And, oh yeah. For sure. Um, there, I don't know. I'm, I'm really, each era is kind of just different for me. And I kind of, I kind of like categorize it into just like different iterations of the band, which it was, but, um, I really can't be partial to anyone. Each one is kind of special, and it's and I, 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 that's fine. A that's, fair, diplomatic, informed opinion. That's, true. that's right. Yeah, I don't mean I don't mean to ride fences, but it's that's no, just how no, I feel no. About it. No, it's all good. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, the thing that should not be affectionately referred to in the Met family is thingy <laughs> versus Eye of the Beholder. Hmm. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, a great intro. I love the intro to Eye of the Beholder. Fade in, fade in. Wow, yeah. Versus great song too. By the way, that goes that goes from straight to swung. Oh man! 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 Ooh, Clint. I gotta go with Thing. Okay. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. That, that, that's that's okay. a bit of a tough one for, for, two deep, for two deep cuts. People don't get enough love. Okay, the battle of the ballads. Come on. Battle of the ballads. We got Sanitarium versus one versus one. Now, I've never been a big sanitarium guy, so I'm going to go ahead and throw in for one. I love sanitarium. They played, you know, they played sanitarium last night. I was watching a live stream of it. And James sounds... That bridge is so bitchin', man. Fear of living on... restless now. Yeah. That's a, in the air. That's a, and you went, you went one? I'm going to go one. I, dude, I got to go one. Uh, I have to. For me. For all the people who have a dream. For the children. I believe the children are our future. Treat them well. Let them lead the way. Um, you ever seen Coming to America, Jay? Yeah. Oh, you God. like it? So good. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Pretty good. Um, Randy. What are, what are you? I haven't said anything. He, oh. he did uh, one. I haven't said mine yet. So if you agree with one, then it's over. Yeah, I agree with one. Okay, it's over. Yeah. All right. I was, I, I, furthermore, I actually go, I would go past that and I would say the shreds version of one. Oh, my God. It's, it's so good. It's so good. It's You've seen that, painful. right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, so painful. Those shreds videos were so good. Bit, though. I love it. It's a little it. close to home a little bit too. And the some Beach more. Boys one. 
No, watch the Beach Boys. One. There's so many good. That sounds good. The, the, Kings, of Leon the Kings of Leon one. Oh, is oh yeah, incredible. The dudes in the band showed me that one. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Have you seen this of us?" And it's I was like, "They have a sense of humor." Oh, they thought it. it was hilarious. Is that dude, still a thing? Is that still like an active thing? I think I'm other sure. people do it. There was one I feel like dude it was big, that was like doing 10, 15 years ago. It was like maybe so that was less than that. That was in ten years. This fifteen years ago. That's true. There, yeah. was, there was one dude that was doing a bunch of them, and I heard that Ingve Momstein was trying to sue him because he did one on him. That is That's so awesome. him. It's so Ingve. The Slash one is also great. The original, Slash, dude, the, the Steve Vai one with his triple neck guitar. Have you seen oh, that I haven't one? Seen that. Oh man, that one's so good. He's like he's like at a show, but it sounds like he's like, like a clinic. But the thing is, the Beach Boys one is pretty okay. great. But you could tell the dude who did it is a lot of TLC because. It's kind of what it might be. Dude, yeah. Oh, no, it looks like that's exactly and, and what it tone, is. And the tone, too. The yeah. Santana one? Yeah, the Santana one. But the, oh, let's see. When it goes to the dude playing the timbali, it's and you so only hear funny. You only hear whatever instrument you can see. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's one of the brilliant little yeah, caveats that's what, about it. Yeah, when it goes to uh, Nathan playing in that one, oh, oh my yeah. God, well, dude. And in that, in that shreds... Um, at one point, they start Matt. It shows Matt, and it starts playing the bridge to Master of Puppets. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metallica. The yeah. Do, 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 oh do, my do, god, dude! It's oh, it's so, so funny. It's so great. Okay, what's what's next? I feel like I know what you guys are going to say, and it's already going to bum me out. Orion versus To Live Is to Die, the battle of the ballads. I'm going to Orion. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to do it To Live Is to Die. To Live Is to Die is my favorite instrumental. I get it. Orion is a masterpiece. It is. But To Live Is to Die. Gun gun. And they play it so slow, and it's just like their first. It's them doing groove metal for the first time. It's really good. I mean, I love it. That bridge is beautiful. Yeah, I'm just Orion all the way. I understand. I understand. I knew. I knew that would happen. All right, what we got next? Let's go ahead and jump to the the ending thrashers. Damage Inc. versus Dire's Eve. Ooh. Do you think your Jay's mind is made up? I can tell. Where sure. are you going? Dire Z. All right, hold on. Before you answer, if you got to, if Metallica were like, Jay Weinberg from Subnauts here, we're, we love the band, we're friends with them, we're going to have him come up and play Dire Z. Now, Lars doesn't do the double kick in the verses. Are you rocking that double kick in the verses? Yeah, you have to. No problem? You have to. No problem. I mean, have you seen I, him I'll play do my the, best, but yeah, you, you got to. Have you seen him play two kick drums? Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's got some okay. fast feet. Well, all right. That's just one of the I would personally it's a fucking banger. Dude. I would have to skip I, it because I, I've never been in a band where I've been required to play double kick. So I never got good at double kick. Other than like a couple little cheating things for like fast punk stuff or, you know, occasional like digga digga pop pop pop. That's about well, it. Well, Damage no piece of cake either. No. no, they're both fucking rippers, dude. I mean Um, you're going dires. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm not just being contrarian. I'm going damage. Okay. Like the whispery thing. It's creepy. Gomp, 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 gomp. Damage covered. Um and that rip, that Kirk riff. There's, I love that I mean, Kirk there's riff. amazing stuff in that song, but I'm with Jay on this one. I'm going Dyer's Eve. All right, All right. Clearly, there's been a fucking. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, Clint gets offended when you don't agree with him on this, on this segment. I don't really. I just drum it up for the show. Yeah. So. So what do we got here? Well, What's this is where the... this is where it starts to get really tough. Oh, so now we go ahead because all the winners like... are starting oh, to go ahead. Yeah, yeah. This is where it, gets, wow. it sucks. Yeah, we got Blackened versus Master of Puppets. Oh my god! And you got to pick one. You have to. There's no way out. All right. There's I, no I, way out. The I, only I, way out's through. I already know. I know what you're going with. Blackened. Yeah. I gotta go Blackened. Well, I have no choice. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, I was probably gonna go Blackened, but. 
Yeah. Well, you can just tell us. What were you going to go? Uh, I would have blackened. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need I to do I was thinking probably. about it, Master of Puppets. All right. I, I know this one's going to be even for me. The thing that shouldn't be versus one. I'm is, one on that one. Is thing going to be one. on one? No I'm fucking one. way. Yeah. All right. How did Thing get through? Who else voted for Thing? Well, it was up against Eye of the Beholder, I think, right? Okay. I was the only one for Eye yeah. of the Beholder. Uh, disposable Heroes versus Harvester of Sorrow. Ooh, that's tough. Um, Wait, Disposable versus Harvester, Harvester of Sorrow? Disposable. Yeah, Disposable. Okay. Were you, what were you going to say, Clint? Disposable. Okay. That's my jam. Didn't get enough love. Orion versus your beloved Dyer's Eve. Ooh. Dear Mother, Dear Father, Earth, which is the way I've always heard it. <laughs> dear Mother, Dear Father, Earth. I always thought when I was a kid that it was like a song about the planet. Because Blackened is a song about the planet. Yeah, true. Um, I'm going Dyer's Eve. Yeah, me too. Oh, wow. Orion's out, just like that. Orion. <laughs> Sorry, Orion. Wow. We just bitch slapped Orion to the curb. Fuck All right, Blackened, the first song Jay ever saw Metallica perform live versus one. Probably their greatest ballad. Ooh, fucking Blackened. I mean, he's always going to choose Blackened. Dude. I'm going to go with Jay on this one. I'm going to go Blackened. Blackened. Were you going to say one, Clint? Of course I was going to say one. Yeah. But that's okay. Disposable Heroes. Dun, 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 versus Dyer's Eve. Ooh. I can't even tap it the fat, the way it is. You know what I am on that one? I'm I would di- guess Dyer's for you. I'm disposable on that one. Really? Yeah. I'm going to go... I'm going to wait and see what you do. Disposable. Man, we're doing a lot of... That, that was a tough one. The, those both those songs are, I mean, in, yeah. incredible. But Dyer's Eve gets a little weighty. It's a little much, and and disposable is just so like it's a little bit more concise. The song that will not end. <laughs> There's like three versus thousand, the shortest yeah. versus the shortest song on Justice, which is Dyer's yeah. Eve. Is there a cat mewing? Yeah, it's my cat. He's okay, in the kitchen. he he knows like, we're am I going insane? No. Uh, black and to win it all. To this win is the, the final to win round. The, the, every Metallica dollar. It's Blackened versus Disposable Heroes. That's a good matchup. Because I'm anticipating Jay, I'm gonna count. I'm gonna play devil's advocate, and I'm gonna lead us off with this one vote for Disposable Heroes. This is like this. This is a good World Series matchup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You went Disposable. I'm going Disposable. I'm going Blackened. Tiebreaker goes to Jay. Weinberg. Yeah, you know it. It's Blackened. Yeah, it's Blackened. <laughs> it's it's um, Prince Charming. Um. There we go. Yeah, I. Th- yeah, I I just God damn it, that song's fucking great. <laughs> there um, it is. It I, is and great. It's not to say because I love I love all those songs that we just talked about, but um, if we were to if we were to then have like an alternate for the for the last round of Blackened against um, if I pull one out just randomly, um, what might beat that see. for you? Maybe creep. Well, I'm thinking I'm thinking something off the first four albums. Creeping Death? Mm, yeah, Blackened versus Creeping Death. What are you on that? <sighs> Creep. He loves Creeping Death. Really? Creep, that's my favorite Metallica song. Really? But Blackened's my second favorite. I'd probably go Blackened on that one, too. What? Yeah. What about you? Blackened. He goes Dang. black on everything. 
Dude, Man, what what could beat out Blackened? Blackened versus Four Horsemen for me. Four Horsemen. No, you heard him earlier. He said he would take like three of the riffs from Blackened over over the whole catalog. Literally, literally the rest of the catalog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like literally. What was the, the song you left the off the off of uh, Freedom's Insanity? Because there was nine I left, songs. I left off Freedom's. Okay, yeah. Would Freedom's have done well with you? Yeah, it's still a banger. Yeah, yeah. it's still a banger. Blackened would have beaten it though. Yeah. yeah. It's hard mm-hmm. to fuck with Blackened. Yeah. Oh, you know, you can't. I fuck think. With it. I think to me, the one that holds the closest um, candle to Blackened would be uh, Battery. The only fair, the only way this could have been at all a fair fight that we would have like hashed it out at the very end was if it was like first seed versus eighth seed yeah. kind of thing, and we right, went like yeah. that inwards, and then the two Clash of the Titans, Blackened versus Battery. That. Yeah. I mean, let's it, do it right it's now. at the beginning. It's at the beginning <laughs> of the thing, so we can't really like. It's the first thing we talk about, so we kind of have to get through it. But it's like those two songs. We got rid of battery right away. I well, it's hard. It's, it's, yeah, it's how super can hard. you do that? <laughs> well, we did really, it. How do we do this to ourselves? You gotta. But it's Who just like. That? But that's that. Those to me are the two. Like, I mean, there's a reason they would choose one over the other yeah. each like every other night to open their right, fucking encore. Yeah. Like insane. that they would choose either blackened or battery, knowing that it would feel it would it would satiate something in what you want from a Metallica show. Yeah. And you you don't hear the other and you're you're okay with it. Right. You know what I mean? He wanted to hear black and he heard battery and was like, no problem. I was okay, like, I'm still, cool. I'm still down. Yeah, I'm I can, I can deal down. with this. When I yeah. saw them in St. Louis in that slot, they did Whiplash and it was like, no problem. Yeah, I saw uh, black. I would have been battery. a little bit. I, I would have loved it, but I would have been a little bit more. Did they play black and or battery? No, mm. I saw black and Detroit. We, we saw black and Detroit. I saw um, I saw battery in Philly. I could have done with a little less black album. If I'm yeah. speaking truthfully, no, it's they're heavy on it. Yeah, although I mean, and and you're playing baseball stadiums, so I kind of get it. Although on this but, on this uh, current leg of the tour, when they're back in arenas, they're doing like B and C markets, and they, they do don't arenas. even okay. throw a black album track until that. like really until like the ninth slot. All right, I want to catch that. I want to see that tour. Well, you'll probably be gone somewhere in the world, but if you happen to be in town, they're playing here January twenty fifth. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I'm gonna try to. Get you gonna there. be around here in January? Perhaps I might be. If We're you having are, a big party. Sick. A big Metallica party the night before. Oh, fuck. Awesome. I'll be there. Lars gonna is going to be, be there. Crazy. Lars is uh, bartending. That Lars night. and yeah. Torben will be there. Lars and Torben are bartending, yeah. We didn't even... Do we even talk about how I used Lars's drums on the last Slipknot album? Let's talk about that. I mean... That's really all I have to say about it. That's the last thing Jay has to say. That's really all I have to say is that I used the Black Album night, drums everyone. on the Great Good Chapter, night, which, used was, the Black which was a rad... You you literally hit those kick drums acoustically in the room, and you're like, "Those are the fucking black." Album you're like, "That's kick a black drums. album." Yeah. So this is the kit you see in a year in the half life of Metallica documentary. Yes. You used uh, used all the drums, but the snare. Right? Uh, how many rack toms is he? He uses Four like bigger. Rack yeah, toms? I used the three rack toms and the two floor toms. Okay, you're a three rack tom guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, that those, those drums are famously sampled. Owned, owned by Ross Garfield. The yeah, I was going to say, walk us through a little bit how it came to be. So you're making that record with or, Greg yeah, Fiddleman, with Greg. Who, who co-produced that album. Yep. Um, we uh, And so it's in storage somewhere? The kid or Cartage brought no, it? He, or? Yeah. I mean, well, Ross, he was, um, he was just the dude by my side tuning the drums and making sure everything sounded great while I was just like 
kind of a little bit out of my mind making that record um he was yeah he was he was there every day when i was tracking drums and uh great just such a knowledgeable guy about drums and making records in la like pretty much any record that you like that that was made in la um probably had his drums on it yeah and um he brought uh the snare that was used on nevermind he he told wow. me wow um, Unbelievable. So i think we used that on maybe some things um i we, mean you, but, <laughs> nevermind in the black album yeah two decent successes yeah, yeah they did okay yeah so you definitely kind of i'm not i'm not too like you know there's definitely some juju i, I think it's you know it's more the player than, of course, any, than yeah. anything of course but just, but it's just, just like, for history's sake just to it's be like, like holy god damn those those are right. some kick-ass sounding drums yeah. and and to to the end that it's like you know what they're really not there's it's not like studio trickery that made those drums sound that way it's like yeah. these drums sound particularly special even when you're just playing them acoustically in the room right yeah. like these sound fucking great that's awesome um yeah yeah that's so cool and what, what, what kind of kit was it an old Gretsch. Old Gretsch, that's right. That's so um, awesome. Yeah, I would. I, Ross would have the, the specifics, but it's black and it's awesome. That's so rad. Yeah, so cool. Yep. Um. Well, I mean, God, thank you for doing this. By yeah, the way, thank you guys. what are we pushing here? Like three hours? Yeah, yeah about that. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's so it's so awesome that we we you know we've run into each other uh, numerous yeah. times around Nashville. We finally made this work and. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, this is great. Thank you for doing this and being a part of the yeah, show. Thank you, Jay. Thank you it was guys. awesome, man. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, and you fuckers listening right now better appreciate Jay Weinberg. Are you talking to me or else? I do. No, I will. Not you fuckers. <laughs> I'm talking about the people listening on their phones right now. Whatever listening on. <laughs> well, we'll let Jay go. Much uh, appreciate. Once dudes. again, thanks. Peace out. Rock on. Later, Say a rock and later, roll thing. later, my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> you were our advisor, what would you say? And then I would say, delete that. <laughs> <laughs>